listening to the Russell Bread Podcast. Cut the shit. I didn't get mad when you stole all my moves. Your daddy's not here anymore. It's how was your movie, by the way? Oh, I mine, mine went straight to DVD, just like yours. Careful you don't hurt your neck again going through those ropes. What is going on? It is episode 189 of the Russell Brand Podcast. My name is JD, the first effing lady of the Bloodline Entertainment Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. As you see, the title is What Did You Do, Oose? And just to let you know, I am wearing Jimmy Uso shirt, Nobody's Bitch, because he showed last weekend that he is nobody's bitch, okay, by super kicking the tribal chief, which I will talk about later on today. It has been a crazy weekend of wrestling. I hope everyone had a great Memorial Day weekend. Um, me, it's been a crazy, crazy week with family stuff going on and everything. But yeah, it's been a lot that has happened in the wrestling world um, as well. Shout out to the chat, the early risers here with Streets. Hey, yo, what is going on? And then just in time, because he is just in time, one's up for the first effing lady. And then Tim from the Tim King Show, Mr. Banga himself. What's good, JD? What is going on, guys? Thank, like I said, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out everything from the Bloodline Entertainment Network by going to the website bloodlinenetwork.com where you can get amazing articles and you know find out all the amazing podcasts that is in our network, including the gentlemen that you see here that were the early, the early people, the early worms to the chat as well. Um, you uh, check them out as well as far as their reviews for the Double or Nothing Night of Champions at NXT Battleground as well. Um, shout out to Don from the Top Rope Wrestling Talk Podcast. Your Grace, thanks again for joining the, the Double or Nothing Watch Along Party. Yes, if you missed it, if you missed it, we did do a watch along party. We normally do watch along parties with a lot of the pay-per-views or premium live events. So if you missed it, you can definitely tune into the YouTube channel or the Twitch and you can check out a lot of the replays as well. Um, be sure to like and subscribe. If you love sports, you love entertainment, sports and entertainment movies, gaming as well. We have it all in one little neat package for you to all turn tune into. And that is the Bloodline Entertainment Network. Um, we are also been streaming gaming as well. Um, yours truly, I've been streaming on Mondays and Tuesdays at 11.15 on Monday and 11 o'clock on Tuesday, currently playing Jedi Survivor and Detroit Become Human. And on Wednesdays and Fridays at midnight central, 1 p.m. Eastern for them late owls, we have Devin, the tribal chief, who is streaming Destiny 2 as well. But yeah, be sure to check out everything. And if you like what you guys see here, be sure to tune in every Thursday at 9 p.m. EST and check out me, the first effing lady as well. As the hub sit there and watch me from behind my monitor. Um, but yeah, so we got some news and things like that that has recently happened. First of all, 
Congratulations to Alexa Bliss, who announced that she is expecting a baby. Uh, so congratulations to her. I believe she said her baby is due in December, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. Congratulations goes out to her as well. Um, and also we had the announcement of, you know, all the speculation about the fact that AEW is going into um, Chicago for AEW Collision. And it has been announced that CM Punk will be there first on the debut of Collision, which, you know, it seems like it's going to be some of a brand split, but I don't know how you're going to do a brand split when everybody has to come together for the pay-per-view anyway. So we'll see how things go. I've heard that the tickets, of course, started to pick up now that they announced that CM Punk will be there live and wonder what is he going to do, uh, who he's going to be feuding first as well. We also had um, more information about AEW video game Fight Forever. It's supposed to come out, I believe it was June 29th, uh, right around the time of um, AEW's Forbidden Door as well. Um, I, they released some gameplay earlier today. I saw it on Twitch. It seems like it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I can't wait to check it. I can't wait to play it. Um, definitely maybe a day one. <laughs> He just stole my water. It's definitely going to be a day one game. Maybe I'm a, I might wait because, uh, you know, with a lot of games, there's bugs and stuff like that. So I, I might wait a little bit just to let the bugs get out and stuff. So definitely a day, definitely possibly a day one, I should say. Um, but it was a role to the elite. So it looks like there's a career mode to it. There's a lot of different modes that you can do. And the, um, the footage that I saw was that you can actually ride around and skateboard as Darby Allen um, and you can hit people on the skateboard as well. So, yeah, um, that's pretty much it as far as news than what I have saw. So before we go any further, um, but yes, smash that like button for the for me, the first effing lady. Subscribe. Go into the chat, say something like subscribe and acknowledge us. Put the ones in the chat if you had a great a weekend as far as wrestling goes. Um, but starting off, we are going into NXT Battleground. We're going into NXT Battleground, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so overall, I did finally check out. Now I don't watch the weekly, um, the weekly shows of NXT. So coming into, so that's why I really didn't give a prediction for last week. But overall, it was a very good show. Um, I wasn't really the biggest fan of NXT 2.0, the colorful NXT 2.0. But now that we got this hybrid, non-colorful NXT, I'm loving it. Um, so we had the triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship, which was uh, Wesley defeating Tyler Bate and Joe Gacy. That was really good. I am a, I'm a fan of Wesley ever since that he was in the Rascals and Impact. Then he came over to NXT uh, MS, as MSK. And then, of course, the situation that happened with Nash Carter, I think his name is. But he has been on fire, uh, especially during his North American title reign. I believe that he is about to set a record for the most defenses as North American champion or something like that, or maybe the longest title reign. 
one of those. And then we had the British um, Rounds Rule match for the NXT Heritage Cup. Now, I didn't really watch NXT UK like that, so I wasn't really too familiar. But I think they did an excellent job as far as explaining the rules. And it was very different. It definitely gave me, like, boxing vibes or, like, more MMA because it was the six rounds. And then if it was DQ or TKO, then the match is like over and everything like that. And, you know, I love my luchadors. Dragon Lee was definitely killing it. But in the end, we had Noam Dar Dar who um, won the match and retained his Heritage Cup. And as Cage My IQ Bigly said, Noam Dar is his hero. So um, I'm glad that your hero won. He um, definitely, they definitely both put on a very good show. And then, of course, the last man standing match with Ila Dragunov going against Dijak. First of all, I'm a big fan of Dijak. I've been a fan of Dijak since, especially when he was feuding with Keith Lee and everything like that. I feel as though he needs to be in a movie, like the next military movie or Call of Duty or something like that. He needs to be in it because the look, his look, like definitely like boss man, he could be boss man's son or something like that. But the look that he has with the sunglasses, stuff like that, definitely give me Call of Duty vibes or something. Like he needs to do something. But that match was so intense. It was very intense. And <laughs> he, my, he's telling me to breathe. But, <laughs> but the... The match was very intense. Uh, I think Adam Cole needs to check out that match because that match had more intensity than his ma- than Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho, which should have had as much intensity as that match as well. But oh my gosh, it was just, it wasn't in the, the crazy thing is there wasn't even like John Moxley blood that needed to be involved. It was just a lot of hard hitting. Like you could tell, like the way that they portrayed this match, these two guys did not like each other and wanted to beat the shit out of each other. And I would say out of all the matches that we had, um, these two, this match was like the most intense match that we had the whole weekend. Um, just in time said last man standing match banged and slapped on every level. And it did. Um, Devin said that match was the most violent and brutal for a WWE match. It really is like, it really, it, and it, and there wasn't really like bleeding, like crazy blood involved that, you know, you feel as though you need whenever you have the last man standing weapons, stuff like that. And it was very, it was a very simple match. If you really think about it, there wasn't a lot of complicated um, sequences or anything like that. I mean, the the part where Dijak was hitting Dragunov with the Kindle stick and just kept hitting him over and over again, and that bad boy broke on him, like so intense. And then uh, there was the coast to coast that Dragunov did with the steps on um, Dijak's face. It was just like if you really think about it, it was a very simple match as far as the level of things that they did with the weapons and stuff. Um, but it was very unique. So there was a spot where Dijak pulled out the table and he was kind of like setting it up and then Dragunov went through the table to to get to him. And there was the spot where um, Dragunov got 
suplexed on the steel steps in the ring. There was the DDT on the steps. It was just like, it was very brutal. And I that was definitely my favorite match of the weekend was that match. Um, it was just, it was just crazy. It, the, and like I said, the amount of intensity that it was, it was just crazy. Um, Dijek told his wife to take the kids. They don't need to see this. I knew we was in for a banger. I was cracking up when he said that. First of all, I didn't know that was his wife and kids. I thought it was just a random kid that was standing there. So I started cracking up because the way he, the way he just delivers his lines, I just love it. Like, I'm telling you, man, this man needs to be in a movie or something. Like, I could watch, like, the vignette that they did of them two when um, Dragunov was like, you can't break me, and he started to torture him and stuff like that. And um, Dragunov was like, I'm still standing. And then it was the shot of Dijak. He turned his head, and he was like, perfect. But, yeah, as soon as he said that, you know, take the kids, they all need to see this, I was like, oh, this is going to be crazy anytime that you tell your wife take them kids and go on the back i don't want them to see what's about to happen you know that is definitely going to be crazy we also had the tag team match for the nxt um tag team championship we had gallus going against the creed brothers i wasn't the biggest fan of the creed brothers starting out when i first saw them but they definitely grew on me like if they, whenever they go to the main roster, I really hope that Kurt Angle somehow comes out of retirement and be their manager or something, because they're definitely like, you want to talk about the, the whole Kurt Angle's kids. They can definitely be his kids. Cause there was a, it was a really good match, especially the part I forgot which, um, Creed brother was, but he was doing a suplex and he kept up and he kept doing that over and over again. I'm like, this is amazing. They give me a bit of American Alpha vibes as far as um, a little bit of their wrestling style. But um, like I said, they have grown on me since I first saw them. I wasn't really the biggest fan of them. I thought that they were kind of bland or like it wasn't. I felt as though they were not. They were, yeah, I felt as though they were a bit bland, but they definitely have grown on me. Um since then and then we had the uh women's uh the vacant nxt women's championship with tiffany stratton going against uh lyra vikira and that was a very good match first of all i always heard about how good tiffany stratton is and i've seen her a couple of times and i thought that she i thought she was they were trying to make her to be like this paris hilton like uh clueless type of vibes but she, I like her and she's very good in the ring. Uh, I don't know her background or anything like that. If she uh, came from Indies or if she's homegrown through the uh, Next In Line program, but she is amazing. Um, for a shout out to the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Hey, what's good, JD? Thank you so much for tuning in. Everybody put the ones in the chat for, for you, yourselves. Acknowledge yourselves. I'm acknowledging y'all for y'all coming in and chatting it up but yeah i'm a big fan of tiffany stratton her moonsaults are amazing i love the moonsault that she does when she goes you know boom 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 and then off the top rope like the amount of athleticism you need to pull that off 
chef's kiss. So I'm happy that she is champion. And a lot of people are happy that she is champion too. She definitely has star vibes. Like I'm waiting for her to hit the main roster because I think she will get over a hell of a lot on the main roster. Um, more as a heel, but I think I think the way that she is, like she is like heel, but she can be easily um, cheered for. Kind of like how Seth Rollins is. Even though Seth Rollins is a heel, like they love to chant his music. So it's kind of like hard to make him like a, like he's not a baby face. If that makes sense. I mean, he's a tweener. If that, if, um, if that, yeah, he's more like that. But yeah, I definitely see her on the main roster. Her versus Charlotte. Um, her versus, um, you can do her versus Rhea Ripley. That would be a very unique uh, storyline that they could put together there. I mean, the the pretty princess versus <laughs> Rhea Ripley <laughs> and everything like that. Um, the now properly named prettiest PME, prettiest moonsault ever. Yes, that moonsault is amazing. Um, Devin says, I love the way NXT treat their women's division. Yes, they always treat their women's division with a very high standard. And it's pretty much like top to bottom from what I from what I've been catching um, with them. It's pretty much top to bottom. Like almost every woman on their roster, it, they give something, you know, they mean something, I guess I should say. Whereas though on the main roster, um, a lot of the women on there are kind of like there to be pinned. Whereas though in NXT, it, you know, you can kind of see any any woman can win either the women's championship or the women's tag team championship stuff like that there's um like every woman has the ability and the chance to become a champion and that's kind of how it always been with NXT that they really put a lot of importance to the women's division and i was hoping with Triple H now being on the main roster we can kind of see a little bit more for the women's division, but it kind of seems like things kind of stayed the same. Um, like we still have our um, top women and women who, you know, is going to be interchanging with champions, but for women like um, mainly damage control is a great example who has the potential to be booked like very well and very um, effective and now they're kind of like not really replaceable but very beatable i guess i should say um yeah you know they can be nxt champs again but the audience doesn't care i think that that's what it is the audience cares a lot more with nxt and so it's a lot easier to handle not only the women's division, but the men's division as well. Whereas though on the main roster, it takes a lot more to get fans to really care about somebody. And so it takes a little bit more, like you have to be booking consistently with the women's division. Um, so like when Natalia comes out and challenge Rhea Ripley for the title, everybody went like, what? Like, why? You know what I mean? Because of how she's been booked for so long. She's been consistently booked to be the beaten person. And, you know, so when she goes to challenge for the title, it's not like, oh, man, this is going to be exciting. It's like, okay, how long will it take Rhea Ripley to defeat Natalia? And then finally, we have for the NXT championship, we had Carmelo Hayes 
going against Ron Breaker. Um, and of course, this took place in Carmelo's hometown. And I love his entrances with Trick Williams sitting there doing the introduction and they're showing everything on the big screen. So this time they showed um, all the major uh, trophies from the um, from sports. So the Stanley Cup, the um, Lombardi Trophy, the trophy for MLB, I forgot the name of it, and the trophy for um, NBA as well. And then, of course, Carmelo uh, held up his arms and he had H and M, so it spells out him with him standing there. Chef's kiss. Carmelo is such, he has such charisma. He is such a damn star. And this match was really good. Bron Breaker uh, with, the, with the dog mask and stuff like that, that was really cool. And them two have like such great chemistry in the ring. Um, there was the spot, of course, where there was the spear midair. Um, the spot where um, Carmelo Hayes, he went to do, I don't know if he was trying to do a flip or a dive, but luckily um, Bron Breaker caught him and it looked like, it, it almost looked like he, it, it turned into like a bit of a power bomb or something, but that was good as well. Um, what's up, Dylan? Thank you so much for tuning in. He says, what's up, JD? Thank you so much for tuning in as well. Um, but Carmelo Hayes is such a star. And Braun Breaker, of course, you know, he is bound for the main roster. Um, my thing is, I am very nervous for Car Carmelo Hayes to be on the main roster. I'm very nervous. Even yes, as Triple H is on is taking control of the main roster, I'm very nervous for Carmelo Hayes. I feel like he can easily get lost in the shuffle. And you know, I look at people that um cuz we have we just got the NXT call-ups with um Andy Hartwell, um Alba Fire, Carmelo Hayes, um, Isla Dawn, I mean, not Carmelo Hayes, um, Cameron Grimes as well. And I'm like very, very nervous for Carmelo to go up to main roster because he has such charisma. He has such star power. I'm afraid that he will be booked to like be um, not exactly like I, I know more likely he'll be mid card. Like I don't expect him to immediately go after Roman or anything like that. But I'm afraid that he's just going to be booked, like, not to his full potential. Like, I could easily see him as, you know, U.S. Uh, champion or depending on where he goes, IC champion as well. And really kind of, like, revitalize the cruiserweight division, you know, from the main roster. But I don't have um, – I don't have the um, confidence that they'll be able to – book him correctly to where is though the casual crowd will like cheer for him and like really respect him in the ring kind of like what ricochet has become like ricochet is very talented johnny gargano is another example too uh the smaller guys who are very talented but because on the main roster um things kind of get you know jumbled up a lot where it's more about storytelling and you know deep characters than it is of actual wrestling in the ring. Um, I'm hoping that they'll be able to book him correctly. Um, that dive spot was heart stopping. Legit thought Mello was going to spike himself. That would have been catastrophic. It was. And I'm glad 
the camera was behind um the camera was behind Braun Breaker, so you couldn't see exactly what he did, but it looked like he caught him, and then I thought it was countered into a power bomb or something. Uh, but then I saw um Braun Breaker kind of you know go backwards with him. But yeah, that was hard, that was a very scary moment. That was a very scary moment um with that dive. But overall, NXT Battleground was a very good pay-per-view as always you know what you kind of expect with nxt that they would be um very good pay-per-views um i would say i would say overall um this may be the pay-per-view of the weekend very you know, if I was more, if I knew the storylines, if I watch NXT weekly and stuff like that, it probably would easily be number one. Um, but I would say it's like, I would say it's like right under what my number one choice is. I would say it's right under there. Um, definitely higher, a lot higher than what I'm going to name is number three. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked um, NXT Battleground. It was very fun. Um, I like it. I love how they always do it in five or six matches. It's very um, easy to, it's very easy to follow. I guess I should say it gives enough breathe room for a lot of these matches. And it doesn't feel like these matches didn't feel like it was taking too long. Like you weren't, you weren't feeling the time because um, from start to finish, a lot of these, um, a lot of these matches were very good. So going over to NXT, um, we are going to be starting out with the first match of the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, and that is AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins. What is going on? Shout out to Ben Buster. Um, hello, all. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much. Um, so first of all, motherfucking AJ Styles is 45 years old. Okay. He is putting on these matches like he is in his 20s. All right. The amazing things that he is able to pull off and what he can pull out of people. Like, I really hope they use him like forever. Not exactly wrestling, but he, he'll be a great mind as far as a coach. Uh, someone to help out training in the ring and stuff like that. Especially with the Next In Line program that... Um, WWE has for their wrestlers and down in the development like AJ Styles will be a great mind to pick um I believe he signed for another few more years I think with the last um with the last uh contract renewal I think they got pretty much got him until he like I think once his contract expires he pretty much will have to retire um from that but he is such a great wrestler, a great mind as well, and very good as far as like the, you know, the, it takes two, very good dance partner. He's very good at selling and he's very good at, you know, come, very unique sequences. Uh, first of all, this match should have been brought to you by L'Oreal with the amazing hair from these two guys. Um, Seth Rollins with the crazy the craziest gear I ever seen. Like I thought he was trying to audition for a remake of the fifth element, the character that 
Chris Tucker played. Someone mentioned that he looked like he was trying to represent the Jacksonville Jaguars, which, you know, I thought was funny. Um, ben Buster said, AJ can help with how to rebrand yourself to a younger crowd. Yes. Um, him and I would say even Chris Jericho are very good as far as rebranding yourself to make yourself still relevant. Because you would think after wrestling for so, so long that you eventually get stale, that, you know, the matches won't really be as entertaining. But AJ Styles is able in the ring, is able to make you feel like you're watching like a five-star match, can make anybody feel like a, a million bucks. I always use this example of AJ Styles going against um, John Cena and how he was able to make John Cena look like a legit wrestler and made him look like a hundred bucks as to like, I, and I give AJ Styles all the credit in the world. And then with my example at Jericho, how he's able to kind of like reinvent himself with these catchphrases and things like that, that is so marketable. And he has the damn song that everyone sings, no matter how many times you heard the crowd sing it, the crowd still sings it. Um, the drink it up, man, the I'm a wizard, the you just made the list and why, you know, raw is Jericho, like so many things that he has done over the years to kind of reinvent himself and, you know, come up with catchphrases that will sear into people's minds. You know, um, those two definitely need to open up a wrestling school or something like that. They're great minds. This match was so good. It had very unique offense between these two. Um, there was, first of all, AJ Styles did a pedigree. <laughs> uh, uh, Seth Rollins kept trying to do a pedigree. He eventually was able to, um, he was able to get it over as well. And then he did um, the curb stomp. Of, well, he did a curb stomp, but he stomped AJ's hand. The commentators really didn't know how to handle it. Uh, but it looked like he, I don't know if AJ wasn't in the right position yet. Like, I, I think he was like getting up or something or maybe Seth slipped. I didn't really rewatch to see what happened, but Seth has stomped on the hand. Um, and then eventually, of course, we get to the finish of the match and Seth Rollins, um, Seth Rollins won. And there was so many great sequences in this match. Um, definitely one of my favorite matches of the night. And then Triple H, of course, you know, uh, comes to present the title to his adopted son. Because we all know that Seth Rollins is like Triple H number one at heart. Um, and I guess the dirt sheets are wrong because everyone kept saying, oh, he's not going to win the title because of Captain America. And how is he going to do this and stuff like that? Um, you know, because he's in Captain America and uh, how he's going to work his schedule. He's not going to win the title because he's going to be out doing movies and stuff. Well, it looks like everybody's wrong because he definitely damn sure won the title um, there. You know, he only truly has to show up if he really needs to show up. Well, I think they're going to do him to defend his title a lot more often but like he doesn't need to show he's he doesn't have to wrestle tuesday wednesday thursday friday he can take off the weekend it's just pretty much one day of the week that he just have to show up as far as with raw so i'm going to assume maybe that works out for the schedule for captain america he is part of the um I forgot the name. I forgot the name. I think Serpent Society. So it's not, I don't know if he's like a main, I don't think he's a main villain. It just seems like he is one of the henchmen 
of the villain. So it's not like he has to be in every damn scene. Like he's not like number one villain going against Captain America. So it seems like it's not going to really take long for him to, um, you know, do his scenes and stuff. Uh, pretty sure Seth has a wrestling school. Nathan Frazier and NXT is one of his students. He does. I forgot the I um I forgot the name of his school. It was like something black, black wrestling school or something. I don't know if it's Tyler Black or Black Society Wrestling School, but yeah, he has a wrestling school. I know that Tyler Breeze and Sean Spears have a wrestling school together called Flatbacks. Um, who else has a wrestling school? There was someone else that has a wrestling school, but yeah, I'm hoping that AJ Styles open up his wrestling school or like do something to really like people need to know how he can do what he does. Like he needs to, he needs to do a YouTube channel or something like that to really tell people like what you need to do. Cause that is a very great mind to tap into as far as what needs to be done. But yeah, for, so for this, um, this was a great match, which we kind of figured between these two. I know a lot of people were slightly upset because, um, because you know AJ Styles is from Raw. This, I mean, from SmackDown. This title was supposed to be for Raw exclusive, but I'm not mad that you know we had AJ Styles wrestling Seth Rollins. I'm not, I'm not mad at that at all. Um, I would rather have this match between these two versus Seth versus anyone else. Truthfully. Um, Because I think the match that we got from these two, it was a great opening match. Um, So to follow up, we had Becky Lynch going against Trish Stratus. First of all, thank you, Trish. Just want to say that respectfully. We also had Becky with the Kill Bill outfit as well. Um, This was a lot of back and forth between these two. Of course, we had most of the... Most of the time, we had mainly um, Trish Stratus trying to... Uh, do her finisher to get the win and it was a lot of back and forth between these two um this match didn't go this match was about 15 minutes actually um but in the end so we had the part with zoe starks coming in to help out becky lynch and it looked like she busted becky open uh, so it looks like we i don't know i thought we were going to get kind of a repeat of you know the situation with Nia Jax where she got busted open and then she went on like not level nine thousand and everything. Um, yes, thank you, Trish. Respectfully, yes, thank you, Trish. Because not because uh, I guess not a lot of people had time to change out of that gear, so she wore that gear again. Of course, she wore it the Trish Stratus style. I was like, thank you, Trish. Respectfully. Um, <clears throat> I love the addition of Starks. I love the addition of Zoe Starks. I think this will help Zoe Starks a hell of a lot. I love her look. I think she would be great on the main roster. And I always, the thing with the main roster is when you, when someone comes up, you have to book them so carefully because first impressions really mean a lot on the main roster for some reason. Like once those casuals have, you know, a type of thinking with you, like you kind of stay there and you know, WWE tends to book people once they, once you get like um, a certain reputation, I guess I should say, they'll constantly book you that way. And, you know, we have like, for example, Omos, you know, they constantly book the whole, he is so tall. And so he has to do these squash matches, but because um, they want to kind of like put him over. So they put him in these 
um, these very high caliber feuds with Brock and Seth Rollins and stuff. And he has to be the one that loses. And then he has to do squash matches in order to bring himself back up again. But I think with Zoe Stark, she has a very good, a very great look. And I think that she could really gel well and connect to the, um, to the main roster as far as a heel. And I think, you know, teaming up with Trish Stratus to, and kind of like eventually put her in line to feud with Becky Lynch is a perfect start for Zoe Starks. It'll get people talking about her. You know, people, of course, know Trish Stratus. And so it will kind of connect that. I'm hoping it goes a lot better with Zoe Starks than when they were putting EO Sky and Dakota Kai with Bailey to kind of help them out. Um, but, you know, it just it didn't click well with the crowd. Like the crowd didn't really care, didn't have a reason, I guess, to care about um, damage control. So I'm hoping this goes a lot better with Zoe Starks. Uh, for a few that has been very lackluster, the match Trish and Becky has ha had was pretty decent. And it was, I was very surprised um, because that six woman tag was that they had at Mania wasn't really the best. So I was pleasantly surprised with this one-on-one -on -one match that it went a, a hell of a lot better. Um, they made the point that Trish hasn't really wrestled in a while. I mean, outside of WrestleMania. And so she had rust with her. Um, she had a little bit of rust the first time that she wrestled. Um, and so with this match, it went a hell of a lot better. Um, than I, I actually thought it would do. Um, but yeah, Becky had the bloody nose and we had Zoe starts to come out and she, they did a promo on Monday night, uh, Monday night to say, you know, the reason why Zoe decided to go with Trish Stratus is because, you know, Trish Stratus is the one who paved the way for everyone and everyone needs to be appreciative of her and everything like that. So I'm happy for that. It seems like if if they decide to bring Lita back and, you know, do something along those lines, that it could potentially be um, Becky and Lita going against Trish and Zoe Starks. But I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes with this. If we're going to have um, another match between Trish and Becky or if we're going to now switch the feud to Zoe Starks and um, Becky Lynch. But I'm hoping, I have fingers crossed, that Zoe Starks will do very well on the main roster because the casuals are very um, unforgiving. Um, so there, and so from there, we go to the crazy match um, of Gunther going against Ali. You know what I really love about this match? I love it when you know who's going to win, but they give you those moments that it's like, are they, are they about to lose here? Is such and such actually going to win here? And we had those type of moments between Gunther and Ali. First of all, um, Louis Kaiser, his introductions for the ring general. Can you imagine him introducing the Undertaker? The like, come on. He is so good at doing these intros. I can imagine of him trying to announce The Undertaker. Um, but yeah, first of all, Gunther looked amazing in this match. The chops, he was chopping the hell out of Ali. But I'm happy that Ali got a little bit of offense. It seemed like that they were 
kind of going for, you know, getting him a little bit of offense. I think this is his first time really wrestling in front of the Saudi crowd. I may be completely wrong, but I think this is his first singles match um, in front of the Saudi crowd. I know he had the tag team match with Mansoor. Um, I think they had a tag team match together, but I think one-on-one, I think this is his first time uh, wrestling in a singles match in, in Saudi. So, you know, the the way this match was really set up, I mean, it was only eight minutes, so it wasn't like this dragged out for a very long time. But I love the fact that um, Mustafa Ali had a bit of offense. He started off, I think he dropped kick Gunther or something like that to the out on the outside, and he kind of like took down Gunther a little bit that way, and that's how he was able to generate offense from the get-go of the match. And then, of course, like, it started to literally go down from there. Um, <laughs> yes, as um, Devin says, the rain general. I love the way he says it. Like, I can only imagine the way he would introduce other people. If he doesn't get into announcing or something like that in the future, um, really wasting talent there. But yeah, he's really good. Um, Justin Times said, Gunther and Ali for the for the little time they got was awesome. Even though it was obvious Gunther was going to retain, they made you believe Ali could win, which I love. And I love that too. I love it that when, you know, like we saw with Zelina Vega and Rhea Ripley, like we knew, um, like we knew that it, that Rhea was going to retain, but it was a little bit of a moment that Zelina Vega had a lot of offense and it made you feel like, are they about to like pull the impossible here? So I love that. And I, I like it because it makes you pay more attention to the match instead of you just waiting for the finish to get here because you already know who's going to win anyway. Um, it makes you pay attention more to the match. Um, so, yeah, I I was a big fan of that match. That match was chef's kiss. Love it. Um, so next up, we had the surprise match of the night. We had Bianca Belair going against Asuka. And the surprising thing for me is that they were booing Bianca in Saudi. Like, if you are booed in Saudi, you know that is saying something. She is supposed to be the baby face. You know, in Saudi, they cheer, they cheer for the baby face or the hometown person, and then they boo the heel. Like, they stick to the script. And they were booing Bianca Belair there from, uh, you can hear the boos. And I was shocked. I was like, okay, yes, it is time to pull the damn trigger. Like, once the Saudis turn on you, the Saudi fans turn on you, like, you know, like, it's it's time to, like, stop it here. Um, but this match was, this match was good. Uh, this match actually went for exactly 15 minutes, but this match was really good. Um, first of all, Asuka is fucking amazing with her counters. My goodness. Um, she did this counter into an arm bar, which is just kiss. I love it. She like the counters that she'd be doing and pulling out. I, I absolutely love it. Um, of course, you know, I love her theme music. You know, I got I know the words to it and everything. It is something that I listen to. Um, it is something I listen to. I love her, I love the new theme song. And I was, of course, you know, the story of this match was the miss. Um, Asuka, of course, had at first was catching Bianca with the miss over and over and over again. And then as Bianca started to get a little smarter, 
she's starting to she knew when the miss was coming so she was able to duck it a few times in this match um when the ref wasn't really paying attention i think she was like um i think she was trying to separate them two and so she was trying to push oscar back and oscar went for the miss and bianca ducked and so she, it she missed the mist and so then oscar fuck something i would never even guess took her hand and sprayed the mist on her she had her hands taped up but she sprayed the mist on her hands and so when um bianca went for the kiss of death um oscar put her you know put her hands into bianca's eyes and blinded her that way which i effing love that is so unique i don't think any of the people who use the mist did something like that it was always you know spray it and stuff like that so i thought that was so fucking unique to have a finish like that with her using the mist to win so of course the way that she went it we're gonna have eventually a rematch between oscar and bianca belair but i'm so happy oscar is champion yes I love Asuka. I love Asuka since she was killing everything, killing everyone in NXT. Uh, Justin Time said, cool that they put the title on Asuka. Really good match as well. Sucks it doesn't fit the whole confusion with the women's championship right now. I know. Uh, somebody needs to tell Papa H to uh, get it together. I mean, seriously, as much shit as we put on Vince McMahon, by now Vince would have had them ch titles change the fuck over. Um I'm sitting here saying the Raw Women's Champion. I, I completely forget this is sm actually SmackDown. Um, so yeah, I, I've, Triple H needs to get it together. Uh, pull some unique shit out your out your bag. Like you, we call you this creative genius, and you have yet to figure out how to switch these damn titles. Like it makes no sense. Like just have a backstage segment of you taking the title from each woman or something like that. Um, as long as you don't do the dumb shit that they did previous where it was the you know the the tug of war with the titles or whatever um i'm fine with that um shout out to the faction cast podcast thank you so much for coming in and taking a listen shout out to you be sure to check out all these podcasts that are coming in as well um but yeah Triple H need to figure out something. Like, switch these damn titles, because this keeps confusing me. I keep saying Raw is technically SmackDown, uh, and SmackDown is technically Raw. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, um, you know, <laughs> this is for the Raw Championship, but it's actually technically the SmackDown Championship. Uh, Dom said, wish she would have beat Bianca at Mania, but I'll take it. I love Asuka, too. I know. I know people are love to say Vince, 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 but this is Triple H, yo. Triple H felt as though he wanted to get the. I think, I think Triple H really wants Bianca to hold the title until next Mania, or you know, because she has had such a long title reign. I think they wanted her to hold the title to next Mania. But however, every single city she has been in, there has been booze for her. So it would be detrimental to her to keep the title on her and continue on. And so I think that they had to call the audible. Um, it may have been possible that they called the audible during this match because we had, because we had um, the booze coming in for the crowd. So, you know, I think I, I wish that they could have had it done at WrestleMania so that Oscar could have had her big moment, especially in front of the American crowd. 
But, you know, we can't complain too much. We'll see how, you know, things go. But I really feel as though they wanted her, they wanted Bianca to hold the title until next Mania, very much like um, Roman Reigns. But the fact that she is getting the uh, big dog Roman Reigns, the blue-eyed Roman Reigns treatment as of right now, with her getting booed, even though she's supposed to be the biggest baby face of the company and everything, especially the fact that they keep using her for marketing purposes. Can't technically use her for marketing purposes if people don't really like her as champion. So, you know, I'm interested to see how it goes from here. I kind of don't want this to turn into Bianca going after the title again for her to win it back. Like, I want fucking Asuka to hold this title and fucking dominate everyone, just like we're doing with Rhea Ripley. Um, Devin says, should have put SmackDown roster in the title. I know, we keep, it's like Raw Women's Championship, like you're confusing people at this point. Like, I, I keep thinking this is exclusive to Raw, but like, no, they're on the blue brand. Like, let's get it together, Papa H. Like, you're starting to lose it here. Uh, well, lesson learned. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm very happy that Asuka won this title. I'm hoping that we can get psycho Asuka that just, like I said, NXT Asuka that just goes and fucking dominates, dominates people. And, you know, just take out, just take out the roster. Like, do what we got with the, with the tribal chief and have her just take people out and just dominate. Um, you know, I know that they're going to have her use the miss because for some, like with WWE, with heels, they rarely have heels when cleanly. Um, but I just hope that she just dominates people. Like I don't like, she doesn't have to win each and every title defense with the miss. I would love for her to win some of these matches cleanly just to show how great she is as a wrestler, but the way that WWE loves to do their thing, they love to have it that um you know the heels always need help or cheat to win or something along those lines so it is what it is but like i said i'm very happy that oscar won the title here and i'm very shocked that we had this was the title change like i said i wasn't i wouldn't i wouldn't mind if this if there was a title change that's what i said with my prediction but i thought it would be bianca here and then next the most predictable match of the day um it was natalia's birthday and the gift that natalia got was those damn hands okay um they mentioned how natalia got the birthday she went and hugged people and they said how the saudi people loved her and i'm like they did throw a fucking water bottle at her at one of these past events but you know we loves to you know ignore history from time to time um, but yeah, it was her birthday. And then Rhea Ripley comes out respectfully looking mother effing good um, with Dom. Dom is just, Dom is out here living life, okay? I need him to write a fucking book at how to win, how you can win at life too, um, because he's winning. Uh, he is win winning, all right? Um that mofo went to fucking jail and came out a fucking success. And I'm sitting here trying to figure out like what is going on? <laughs> like what is going on? Um, but yeah, she, for Natalia, she got the gift of an ass whooping from mommy. This match was not even a match. This was just straight domination from mommy. Um, Dom was cracking me up. Dom, like, Dom grew on me. I, he has proven me so wrong. Um, 
if I was one of those people, I would tweet at him and let and be like, you know, sorry, okay. Um, because I did not think he would make it as a heel because I was like, I don't see it. He seems like he's too nice, but he has been like the most entertaining heel uh in w on w on we's um this is smackdown so this is raw on the raw side of um wwe um but this match was a lot of fun okay uh rhea ripley let us all know that natalia is not fucking winning how we said with mustafa ali versus gunther that we like the fact that ali had the opportunity to win like we was like oh i love the fact that you know even though we know who's going to win, there's still that, you know, there's still that little bit, those moments where you think that they can actually lose. We didn't get that here. Mommy was like, I'm not here to play motherfucking games. This match went for a minute and 10 seconds. Okay. This was, this is like the first fight that you have in Elden Ring where they want to show you that this is what you're eventually fight. You know how they always give you that final boss first and you automatically lose no matter how hard you try this is what happened here okay natalia thought everything was sweet and you know she didn't realize you're going up against the final boss and you're level one with a stick in your hand okay that's exactly what happened to natalia and Rhea won first of all dominic at once Rhea had won dominic was fucking i was cracking up Dom jumped into her arm. She carried Dom, walked over. He started pointing at Natalia and laughing like this is an after-school special or something like that. And um, I need someone to check on Buddy Murphy. Or Buddy Matthews, his name. I need somebody to check on Buddy Matthews because um, they, uh, because of course, they were mentioned the next night by the acclaim, which is... <laughs> And she said, you know how she said, Dom Dom, we're over in both companies. And Buddy Murphy, like, yeah, yes, you are. And this, that, and the third. And he deleted the tweet. I mean, Buddy Matthews, yes, we know you are dating Rhea Ripley. Um, Dominic is out here, like, legit, Mr. Still, your girl, because no one's talking about you. <laughs> no, people probably don't even know that you're dating her because they're sitting here shipping. Dominic and Rhea Ripley like they are just a, a lovely time <laughs> uh, Natalia has devastated Natalia got no offense in zero percent nothing zilch a big fat goose egg like nothing <laughs> nothing okay she had nothing she that those I think the entrances lasted longer than than that entire match. Like the only thing that Natalia had going for her was when that was her entrance and she hugged that female fan and gave her the glasses. I think she did. Other than that, once that bell hit, that was that. Like you got your ass whipped. She like you couldn't even pull out the you know typical um, sharpshooter or anything like that. It was just straight up domination from Rhea Ripley and Dom Dom. Uh, Murphy is worried about listen Dominic is the man that your girl told you not to worry about like she was wearing the like she wore the collar that said I think the collar she wore was mommy but she had one that said Dom Dom she put on her cheek Dom Dom she had the tights she had Dom Dom on her ass I'm like bro you 
like Buddy Murphy, the reason why, the reason probably why we haven't seen House of Black really wrestle for a bit of a while, because Buddy Murphy is out there punching air somewhere, just constantly showing up backstage at WWE's like, hey, Rita, I love you. You're my mommy, right? Like insecurity, man. If you <laughs> like, I don't blame him because, you know, everybody's talking about your girl and not about you. And they're constantly shipping someone else with her like you're not you're like non-existent like that could cause you to be very in fucking secure like every time every time there's a tweet from Rhea Ripley or Dominic you see Buddy Matthews (laughs) you see Buddy Matthews replying well she's mine too (laughs) I think it was the picture where he showed where she it was shown that her that she had Dom Dom on the back of the pants something like that Buddy Matthews had tweeted something like, you know, she's mine or something like that. I mean, man, you better, you better go, you better stay over in AEW and do, you know, work on your flips and chops or something like that, man. You, it's over for you. Okay. It is over for you. But yes, uh, Rhea Ripley dominated and um, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it all. Um, and then, of course, because they're over in Saudi, they have to wear the uh, full gear and Rhea Ripley respectfully wearing the fucking dominatrix shit with the fucking leather and the zippers and spikes and shit. I'm like, just towing the line with that. Um, Rhea would move the world for Dom, but for Buddy, ah! <laughs> exactly, Devin. Like, Buddy, Buddy Matthews, Buddy Murphy, he, he's gonna have to chalk it up, man. Like you are, you're number two and you're going to have to be okay with your place. Like, I mean, if I was him, I would be completely happy. I'm like, listen, do you guys need water? Do you need coffee or something like that? Um, you know, do you need anything? Do you need any additional shirts or something? Like I, I will be friends with Dom. I will take Dom out for like, hey man, what's your favorite food? Like, I'll take you out to lunch or something. Yeah, you know I mean, like, do you do you have bail? Like, you know, next time you go to jail, I'll bail you out, dog. Like, you know, it it ain't nothing. Like, you're dealing with a convict. <laughs> you you didn't lost. Um, Dom said, I think Buddy said her bun may have your name on it, but I get to touch it. Yes, that's what he said. Straight insecurity, man. Just, I'm like, he might as well have kept putting caps. I am fucking insecure about this. Like, this wasn't kayfabe. It was fucking real to him, damn it. Like, <laughs> someone needs to put, but on the, you know, the, uh, the, um, gift that we see of the guy crying. He's like, it's real to me, damn it. Somebody need to put Buddy Matthews' face on that kid and for him to say, it's real to me, damn it. That's my girl. I don't care about K Fade. It's real to me. Damn it. <laughs> you know, he started an argument that night. Why you got to have his name on your tights like that? Like, I could see if you had Judgment Day, why you got to have his name on me? There's other people in, the, <laughs> there's other people in Judgment Day besides Dom Dom. Why you got to have, why you got to put his name on the Joker? Like, oh my gosh. The day that, like, that's what dirt sheets need. Like these dirt sheets want to talk about if Seth Rollins will be champion because he's in Captain America. I need them dirt sheets to tell me what the argument was that night when Buddy Matthews tweeted that out. <laughs> okay. I want to know the, that. Give us that type of dirt. Okay. I want to see Dave Melzler sit there and say, last night, Buddy Matthews started an argument with Rhea Ripley 
asking her why she had Dom Dom on her tights like that. Yes, Devin, emotional damage. Like Buddy Matthews is out there crying somewhere. That's probably why he sits there and just whoop everyone's ass over an AEW. Like he is taking, he is taking it all out on people. Okay. Meanwhile, meanwhile, um, Malachi Black sitting here sitting pretty because his girl, well, you know, when I well, Buddy Matthews should have felt good because Rhea Ripley beat it up uh, Zelina Vega. Like he, you know, but you know, he still doesn't win. He's he's still not winning in the end, but yeah, it's I you know I, for Buddy Matthews, I will keep you in my thoughts and prayers for your sanity and for your emotional state because you in a whole other company and you just can't take it. You can't take it. Um, like you're on the losing end, my friend. Like even though he is a trios champ and everything like that, and you should be happy that your woman is champ. You're a champ and stuff like that, but she's Dominic is living in his head rent free, yo. Dominic, my Dominic wasn't even in jail when he sat there and said he did nothing. He it was hard time stuff like that. Nah, man, you was living. You, you were good. Okay, you're living rent free in someone's head. Dom shouldn't have no mortgage for the rest of his life because he stayed living in Buddy Matthews' head, man. So after that, we had. The match that everyone had an opinion on. Whether you disliked the way that the finish won, it was people, it was a lot of um MMA experts out there, a lot of martial arts experts out there that wanted to talk about the um how a body, how a person should react to a Kimura. And that is with this match with Brock Lesnar going up with Mr. Adversity, Cody Effing Rose. Um, first of all, shout out to the broadcast podcast coming into us from the future. What's up, JD? Thank you so much for tuning in, yo. Um, I forgot the time difference of where you're at. I know it's not 10 o'clock p.m. where you're at. So thank you so much for tuning in and checking out um, this episode of the podcast. But this match. So... As I always say, I am president of the Cody Haters Club. Um, 12 p.m. Well, okay. So you're about 14, about 14 hours, 14 hour difference. So yeah, thank you so much for tuning in at that time uh, as I'm hitting noon over there in the future. But thank you so much for tuning in. Um, now I always say, I am president of the Cody Haters Club. And that's with an H-A-T-A. Uh, not an ER, because uh, I don't know him as a person. I'm only going after what I see on TV. My biggest issue with Mr. Cody Rhodes, and that's why I call him Mr. Adversity, because he has to under he has to be the underdog, and he has to like babyface it up. So of course, you know, we had his arm broken this past you know this past week and stuff, and he wasn't medically cleared. And then Papa H comes in, which that was. That was something with Triple H and Cody sitting side by side and having that moment. And he's like, you know, I, I want to wrestle. My arm may be broken, but my spirit is not broken at all. He needs to be a politician when he gets out of wrestling. And so Triple H smiles, you know, because, you know, I, I don't know, he sees himself in Cody or something like that or the spirit of Cody, you know, he likes it, whatever. So we had Cody come out with an arm with an arm cast. And then the commentators mentioned how it's a titanium arm 
brace or whatever or cast or whatever. And I'm like, first of all, you could clearly tell there's cloth. You know, that's not titanium or anything like that. This isn't fucking Transformers uh, or Cyborg from fucking DC. Um, so then the thing that confused me is that he started using the cast as a weapon, which I could have sworn is a DQ from what we have seen before. I could have sworn that we had plenty of fuse where we had an arm and a cast by a heel but they couldn't use the cast as they couldn't use the cast as a weapon or else it'd be a DQ. And they always use the cast when the ref's back was turned. Whereas though Cody was sitting here just clocking Brock Lesnar from the get-go. And I don't think this had like, well, you know, last, I mean, I checked my notes. There is no stipulation with this match. This was a straight up one-on-one match between these two. Yeah. Even um, fucking Wikipedia says this is a singles match, nothing, anything like that. Um, but yet, Cody used the titanium arm uh, arm cast to clock Brock Lesnar in the head a couple of times, which I'm like, I could have sworn that's a bit of a heelish move. Um, baby faces don't really use the cast like that. Um, clearly, it was made out of titanium there, Brock Lesnar. I guess so. I guess that they had to explain, like, no, this isn't cloth that's hitting Brock Lesnar. It is clear titanium because it's fucking Brock Lesnar, who looked huge, by the way. I swear every time. Brock Lesnar comes out. He looks like he has gotten bigger and bigger. Um, the thing that upsets me is we have inconsistency when it comes to Cody Rhodes and uh, the way of Brock Lesnar's offense. Um, now I look this up because I was very confused because normally with the Kimura, you know, the arm is broken, right? And then we get a tap out from there. But in this situation, the arm is already broken and it was put into the Kimura lock, which means it should be broken even more or that you should immediately tapped out because of the pain. And I looked up the how many people never tapped out to the Kimura locked. And it was, of course, the big dog, blue-eyed Roman Reigns, um, Kurt Angle from back in the day. Oh, no, no, that's not what I looked up. I looked up people who kicked out of the F5. That's what pissed me off. Because I'm like, as many people, the F5 is used to like completely dominate people. And I was very confused because Cody has been kicking out the F5. Cody kicked out the F5 in the last match. And then he kicked out the F5 this match. And I was very confused because I'm like, the F5 is a very devastating move. Um, Your arm is broken, this, that, and a third. And you kicked out of the F5. So I looked up who kicked out of the F5 before. And it was Blue Dye Roman Reigns, um, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, Kurt Angle, and um, there was a fifth person. I think The Undertaker. Yes, The Undertaker. Because at the street, he had to do it three times. So, yeah, it's a very small amount of people who kicked out of the F5. Now, if this was done for, you know, oh, special for Cody because uh, the F5, yes. Yes, Devin. And the Tribal Chief version of Roman Reigns, too. Kicked out of the F5. Um, So I'm, I was very a bit upset that Cody kicked out of the F5. And it wasn't, like, made as, like, a big spectacle about it, if I remember correctly. But it was just the fact that he kicked out of the F5. That's what I'm a little upset about. And it was just, like, the amount of, like, um, it wasn't even, like, John Cena level. It was like kind of similar to Hulk Hogan before he hawks up how like he gets beaten down and like nothing can um, nothing could defeat him or anything like that. 
And so he constantly had the, the Kamara lock put on him and he reached the ropes, which is like, fine, I can live with that. Um, people had issue because he passed out from the F from the Kamara lock. Like he shouldn't have passed out because the body, like he should have tapped out or whatever. And then of course there were the uh, experts that said, well, it's because his body went into shock for the amount he passed out due to the amount of pain. But my thing is I can understand that if his arm wasn't broken with the titanium arm uh, arm cast this whole time but i'm like he already has a broken arm and he's been put in the kimura lock and it's like the power the power of the of the american eagle is what kept him going that's why i didn't like it was the fact that he survived in that kimura lock for so damn long i swear it was like five minutes of him just being in the kimura lock that's what i kind of didn't like because i'm like I don't know. I am looking more likely from this from a hater's perspective, but I feel like the Kamora lock really should um, really shouldn't have last that long with him before he passed out, uh, especially because that Kamora lock was put on, um, I think, three times during this match. Um, and then, of course, we had Cody who did two crossroads and he was about to do the third one. And that's when the Kamora lock was put on him. That was my big gripe. Not the fact that he passed out. It was just how long he was in that Kimura lock for and he didn't pass out. Like, I know that we're doing the baby face that he has to baby face and baby face. And um, yeah, like I said, Mr. Adversity. So it is it is what it is. Um, <laughs> Tim says the new German suplex. It might as well be because it doesn't, it, like, it's less effective. The fact that someone can survive for that long in the Kimura lock and with a broken arm already. And he was in that Kimura lock for a couple of minutes the first time. And then he was in it for a very long time in that final time. And then he eventually passed out. I would have been more, I would have, I wouldn't have had such a problem with it if the passing out happened a little bit sooner, because if you have a broken arm and you're put into Kimura lock for any period of time, like that's excruciating pain. Boom. You should be, knocked out from the get-go but they have to do what they need to do of him you know being baby facing it up and stuff like that i'm just like i said and i keep saying this i'm very interested to see how long this is going to go of him having to hawk up because people didn't people slightly noticed it when we was at the royal when at the royal rumble when he was number 30 and um he was like being beat down by Gunther, who's been in the Royal Rumble since um, he was number, since Gunther was number one. Um, Trips did the same thing against Brock almost moment for moment. Uh, oh, that he was put. See, and that, I, now I didn't look into uh, as far as with the Kimura lock because I was just very confused about him kicking out of the F5 consistently. So I didn't really look into as far as people who survived in the Kimura lock. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting that it was trips that went through it moment for moment. So sound like trips was the one who gave them the idea to do this situation, I guess, to get people to cheer for Cody more. But my thing is, is that, is this something really needed? Because Cody has already hit the whole, you know, over, over, like very loved and, um, biggest baby face already, especially with him going against, um, Sam going against Roman Reigns. Everyone wanted him to win the title. And so it's like, do we really need him to be constantly an underdog? You know? So I'm very interested to see. Um, it feels like this may this feud may continue. 
um because the next one next pay-per-view oh so the premium live event is um the next premium live event is uh money in the bank so it's like is cody gonna be i don't know if they i know they are starting to do qualifying matches i don't know if he is going to be um the one i don't know if he's announced as one of the people to enter the match for the qual to qualify for the money in the bank or if we're gonna have this again between brock and uh cody which i think we are yeah we're one-on-one between these two so yeah we're gonna have the rubber match at um money in the bank between these two um but not in the wwe shaking my head i know the thing is right because uh cody brings it up like oh i had all this adversity once i left wwe but WWE is a bubble. Like, how many times, like, they just recently started talking about New Japan and Impact, and um, they don't even talk about AEW like that, unless they want to talk about the pissant company. But they always had the WWE bubble where they don't talk about people's past in other, um, in other companies. So if we are looking at within the, in the WWE bubble, like, yeah, he can sit there and say all he wants, what he did outside the outside WWE, but there is a whole casual crowd who is not familiar with him outside WWE. And in fact, there's a the whole, I'm very sure a lot of people in the crowd don't even remember him from his first title for his first run in WWE. They only just remember him from his return, you know, that they don't even remember dashing roads or stardust or anything like that. They just know of, you know, what we saw since mania of last year. And the fact that he got the torn peck. So while we can all connect, like that's why I say, that's why I'm saying the adversity thing. Cause I'm not connecting what he did in AEW or anything like that. Like I'm keeping the attitude the same from AEW as far as him needing to be the big baby face. Cause that's what he did in AEW too. And it was very detrimental to him at a certain point, detrimental to him and other people as well at a certain point. Um, but I'm just, it's people who like want the adversity. I just feel like it feels like they're redoing what he originally did because WWE loves to repeat things. And it feels like they're redoing the whole situation of him with the torn peck and him fighting through it with him with this broken arm. So it seems like they're trying to redo everything so that, um, you know, you can get the whole underdog baby face through the injury, um, the injury storyline. Um, he needs to do something while Roman continues to hold two titles hostage. Well, truthfully, um, I think we'll eventually, I think they really want to pull the trigger for him to win at Mania 40, which will be the perfect city to use the whole underdog situation. Philly is the perfect thing to use for underdog. I mean, we are the definition of underdog when it comes, especially with the Eagles and the course. Rocky Balboa. That's where it all started. Um, we still have the statue of him um, by the art museum steps. So I think that they definitely want to pull the trigger for him to win the title at Mania 40. And I think in order for him to get that build up, they just have to keep, they have to put him again in these feuds where he is, um, you know, being constant underdog. But I'm like, I don't know how they're going to like, how are you going to book that out for a whole year before it gets tiring, you know? So after he go after Brock Lesnar, who's the other person that he can have this underdog situation with? Um, who's a heel? Because, um, who's a heel? Because the biggest ones, 
he already went through. He went through, you know, Seth Rollins, first of all. Then we had the tribal chief. And then we had, um, who we had? Then we had Brock Lesnar. So it's like, who is after that? Um, Bobby Lashley is face. So I'm trying to think who, like, who, who, who he would go against after Brock Lesnar? What is the next whole big heel that he can go against to do the whole baby face, the whole baby facing again? Uh, can't be Seth Rollins, except Rollins is universally loved. He is champion at this point. Like, do you go back against Seth Rollins, which I highly doubt they should do, especially if you want to have Cody to be, you know, actually like cheered as the ultimate baby face. Um, Gender Mahal, maybe, <laughs> you know, like we got to you got to kind of keep it kind of do the thing. Um, yes, from the Bloodline Entertainment Network, which you should be, which you should check out as soon as we're done here. But yes, adversity, that is what he is. Uh, Cage my IQ, apparently Cody will be on SmackDown tomorrow. Shaking my head. Why? Why is he going to be on SmackDown? Um, I still think it will be Cody versus Gunther at Mania for the title. I've heard that, that, um, it would be Cody versus Gunther. But I'm hope like, but we need to then stop talking about finish the story. You know what I mean? Because it's we leaving it open as far as him versus um, Roman Reigns, unless we're doing pretty much doing what happened between him and Seth Rollins, where it was just that one off match and then that one off match feud. And then we're kind of done with it and we move on, you know, so. I'm afraid of that match because I love Gunther. And if Gunther is the title holder, I want Gunther to retain the title holder. I know Cody needs to win a title at some point point of time because that's what we keep building to but i love gunther okay um i love gunther and i would want him to hold that damn title um him and aj have the oc attack him and bring up their time in the bullet club that would be interesting but the thing like then that would have to that would have to make aj styles turn heel like you know what i mean like they have to be careful who they put seth rollins i mean who they put cody rhodes against because so far, they have put him put him against very strong heels, and they're constantly doing the whole underdog finish the story because uh, that's what we had with Roman Reigns. This time we have, you know, I got the broken arm, but I'm still going through it with the adversity with with Brock Lesnar. So if he do have him go against AJ Styles, AJ Styles will make him look like a, a million bucks. But you do have the section of the crowd that really likes AJ Styles. And the last thing you want is for Cody to get any type of booze because this whole build that you're doing with him can be washed away. Uh, finishing the story would be winning the title, in my opinion. It would be. But it really felt like it. the finish the story part should be with Roman versus just winning the title Either way, I think it's a very strong story that they can have continue with Roman and um, Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes. Kind of very similar to we see in a lot of the movies where we have the antagonist and protagonist, you know, one fight each other, but something happens and they have to separate themselves during the movie. And then they come back together again in the final scenes, the final battle of the movie. I think that's what we kind of can do here with Roman. It's just we had like we're a little over a year, a little under a year to next mania. And so it's a lot of premium live events and a lot of feuds that we have to run through for Cody to eventually go back to Roman Reigns, who is actually on SmackDown. So you gotta make that connection as well. 
Um, Tim says, right, there's no story to finish on a title that has existed for three days. Although I prefer uh, Roman versus Seth and Cody versus Gunther at Mania 40. Yo, Roman versus Seth would be straight money. But the thing is, with the stupid brand split, it's like, how are we going to make that connection with e with Roman, with either Seth or Cody? Like, are we then making the world heavyweight title a, um, you know, a title that can be bounced between brands? Or are they going to do away with the brand split eventually? And or maybe even have Seth win the Royal Rumble and then he could challenge Roman Reigns that way. And then it's like, well, how do you connect Cody and Gunther at that time? So yeah, it's just, I'm very interested to see where we go from here because I can't think of any bigger heels than Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns as far as who Cody, as far as, far as who Cody can like go against to keep up with this whole ultimate baby face. Um, Unless Drew McIntyre returns and he turns heel and maybe we can continue with that. You know, who knows what is actually going to happen with there. If he decides to stay or not, if he decides to stay, they could bring him back, turn him heel, and it could be him versus, Co versus Cody. But I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who could be really be that big heel for Cody to really go against. Um, of course. Bigly says, I'm a ring general follower, so I want Gunther to keep the world title too if he wins it. I am with you, my friend. I want Gunther to hold the title. I want Gunther to tribal chief that title a little bit, okay? Uh, I They did amazing with him with the IC title. I don't know where Theory is at. You know, he has went missing, but we have Gunther, and I want him to be treating with the title just like they have been treating him with the IC title. <laughs> There's no brand split. It was all a lie. It really feels like it. It really feels like, especially that we have AJ over at um, Raw. So it's like, bro, why we got, it's just like with AEW that they're trying to do a quote unquote brand split. But it's like, it's, it's meaningless. Like, I understand why they want to do a brand split because you want to give people more time or whatever and create like new, you be able to create feuds out of nowhere because these people are on the same brand but it's like uh this is no longer smackdown versus raw of 2008 we need to uh you gotta gotta make it make sense here um but yeah that was my issue with this match is the fact that he held on to that kimura for a very long time and i know it brock is going to be okay after this but it's just like brock is such a dominant person i would have loved for us to you know for, for, for his moves to be a little bit more effective, I guess I should say. Uh, he shouldn't have lasted that long in that Kimura lock. And he should have, like, kicking out the F5 kind of annoyed me there, too. Um, could they push a Cody versus Finn feud? That's possible. That would be possible, and that would be pretty cool. Cause especially because Finn is still getting booed and everything. They can also do um, JD uh, JD versus Cody as well. You know, have Finn recruit JD to the Judgment Day, and they can have him go against Cody too because he is a new face. So he doesn't have um, if they want him to be immediately heal. Perfect time for him to um, you know get thrown into heal status by him teaming up with Cody. So that would be a very good thing. Um, yeah, with Judgment Day helping him. Yeah, 
a Cody versus Finn feud would be fun. And you could start it off with Cody versus Finn and then have JD interfere as the new member of the Judgment Day. And then you just kind of go from there with JD going against Cody because JD is fucking crazy, first of all. So I know it can get it can get crazy um, between those two, especially that we kind of have him as the um, oh man, I forgot the nickname they got him, the Irish, the Irish something. I forgot what they called him uh, through those vignettes. But yeah, he could be a, a good one too. Uh, Cody versus Braun Breaker with him getting called up. Yeah. But the, the thing is, though, because Braun Breaker, Braun Breaker is, um, he could be cool. Um, the, my issue too with Braun Breaker is I don't want him to become one dimensional um, because with, a lot of the big guys that they bring up on the roster, they love to book big guys to wrestle as big guys. And Braun Breaker is very athletic. And I don't want them to try to um, put him in a cookie cutter of you're a big guy, so you have to wrestle a certain way, you know? Um, but yeah, Braun Breaker could be cool if they um, if they bring him up, because they, they could definitely start him off as a heel because it's not a lot of big heels on the main roster right now so they could definitely bring him up as a heel and then you know start him off that way and then eventually they turn him face irish ace yes that's what they call jd but yeah you could do something like that so yeah i guess now where we're at cody already faced the two biggest heels in WWE, so now we can start building heels by using him as well too so we can go something along those lines too um, so now we get to the main event, the most talked about moment of the effing weekend. We had Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn going against the bloodline of Solo Sokoa and the tribal chief Roman Reigns. Mr. A Thousand Days as of that day, as Cage Ryan Q said, never bet against an ace. Listen. I love JD and I can't wait to see the crazy shit that they're going to have him do on the main roster, especially with the tease of him possibly joining JD since, you know, him and Finn are very um, familiar with each other. So I can't wait for that. But I think if you want him to be like crazy, like, you know, the, the shit that he was talking during that vignette, I think Cody could be a great person to kind of uh, put all that to, especially if it works, you know? Yeah, I I I'm not a hundred percent trusting of Papa H's booking because we've seen what happened with Karrion Cross well, with all these people that he brought back: Bray Wyatt, Karrion Cross, Hit Row, um, Damage Control. All these people that he brought back himself. So we can't blame we can't blame um Vince too much for their type of booking because he brought them back himself and booked them himself, and it hasn't hit with not only the crowd, but with a lot of the storylines that they've been put into. So just hoping that, you know, from now, I'm hoping he's learning his lesson. And then from now on, you know, you know, you gotta, you gotta bring it back, man. You gotta pull it out. You gotta like book him like, not really like his NXT black and gold, but definitely like, you need to do it, man. Definitely need to do it. Um, But with this match here, we had a thousand days on that day with the tribal chief. Um, we had Sami Zayn, who was over as fuck, like Puerto Rico 
type of situation going here with Sami Zayn. And I'm very happy for Sami Zayn that he was finally able to go over there um, and safely as well. Um, he, the crowd, of course, loved him. They chanted for him and everything like that. Um, he spoke, I believe, Arabic it was. Um, I I did read the translation. I think he said, like, you have an Arabic tra- champion, so this need to be talked in Arabic. And then he introduced himself and Kevin Owens as well. Um, Roman Reigns was sitting there. His, um, yes, he, Sammy was speaking Arabic. Yeah, so he was speaking Arabic. Um, and Roman Roman's facial expressions always crack me up because he was sitting there like, "What the fuck is what the fuck is he saying?" Um, and it really felt like it really felt like a hometown hero, very similar to when the Elimination Chamber was in Montreal. Um, I love that for Sammy that he was getting his flowers and everything like that. Um, Roman Reigns, the Tribal Chief, talking shit during a match is just gold sat there and said they wouldn't know who you are without me um roman just talking that shit you know spears and stuff like that this was a very good match and um we got to towards the end where we had um ko on the outside uh roman reigns was taken out and then the usos show up so it's like okay they weren't supposed to come out there and everything so the usos show up and um, they went in, they started super kicking um, Sami Zayn and everything. And you saw the setup because Sami started to get a little closer to Solo. And they went and tried to go to kick, um, to go to do the double kick to Sami Zayn. And Sami Zayn ducked out of the way and they super kicked Solo Sokoa. And that was the moment that Roman Reigns came to. And that's what he saw. And he got into, he was pissed off, first of all, got into the ring, told them, I did not tell you guys to come in here. You know, no one told y'all to come here, get out my ring. He started mugging Jimmy and Jay Uso. He started to really mug Jay Uso. And then he went to turn to Jay and Jay motherfucking super kicked him. He was letting everybody know that he is nobody's bitch. And he super kicked the tribal chief and Jay... Somebody give Jay Uso a fucking award for his facial expressions too, because Jay was like, "What the fuck just happened? What are you doing?" Like he was caught in a rock in a hard place, and Jimmy was like, "I'm doing this." He said, "I'm doing what you should have done a long time ago." And just just in case you thought it was a mistake of that super kick, what super kicked him again? And Jay was like what the fuck and so jay jimmy leaves he's telling jay come on jay wants to check on the tribal chief because he's like you know it's baby ooze and is um the tribal chief and everything like that he didn't really know what to do and then you know solo kind of came to and roman reigns kind of came to and it's like the implosion of the bloodline um now i have something now this is the thing though i don't know if uh, people realized it but the moment it could be a different perspective for roman reigns um oh i know Devin. i was shocked with the second super kick shocked i was shocked as well because i love the see i love the little details that they do with the bloodline um with the bloodline storyline i just wish that they really keep this energy for a lot of other storylines and i think like they would have such a great show 
like people wouldn't get tired of watching Raw for three hours. Like it would definitely take us back to, you know, the excitement and things like that. Um, kind of like attitude era type of excitement where you felt like it was entertaining from, you know, not really start to finish because that two era had his moments, but that, you know, you, Raw would feel enjoyable. You know, it would feel like Raw after Mania, I guess I should say. The amount of attention that they put into Raw after Mania to make sure it's a good show from top to bottom. That's the energy that they put into this storyline. And I love the little details of this because you thought it would be Jay all along because Jay is the one who became closest with Sami Zayn. Jay was the one who was the right-hand man and he was the one that was forced to join the bloodline. He wasn't widely accepted into the bloodline like we saw with Sami Zayn um, and even with Solo Sokoa. And so we thought it would be Jay who would turn on Roman Reigns, not Jimmy, because Jimmy the whole time is like happy co lucky. This is great, bloodline, this, that, and the third. So for Jimmy to be the one that takes this, that does the super kick, and he says, I'm doing this for you. This is what you should have done a long time ago. That little bit of detail was so good. Um, as Kitchman 2 said, uh, Sammy had a great point when he said Roman will be the reason the bloodline crumbles with his big head. Yes, because, you know, like we've seen a lot of movies and stuff like that, when the leader sometimes feel as though they are bigger than their than their people, you know, and he forgets like a lot of times when you're about to lose, it is your it is your cousins that comes to your aid. You know, that's how we got introduced to Solo Sokoa because he almost lost the title. Um, I forgot who he almost lost it to uh, that he faced. Was it John Cena? No, I don't think it was John Cena. But I forgot who he faced. And then Solo Sokoa came out. And then all the times that we had the Usos come out. So, you know, it's very, it's a very cool, you know, little bit of detail that they put in there. Um, but however, looking at this from the Tribal Chief side, he's fighting this match. You know, him and Solo Sokoa has a good thing going and everything like that. And he gets knocked down, and then he comes to, and all he sees is the Uso super kicking Solo Sokoa. And then he's sitting here and like, what are y'all doing? Like, y'all fucking this up. I didn't ask for you guys to come out here. I told y'all not to come out here because maybe the tribal chief figured that they may fuck up this, this match. Um, it was Drew McIntyre. Thank you. It was Drew McIntyre that Roman Reigns faced, and that's when we got um solo sokoa thank you um but yeah like from roman reigns side he's fighting he's in this match stuff like that everything's going good and then here comes the usos who shows up unannounced and they're messing it up because they're trying to super kick um they went to try to super kick sammy and didn't realize how close solo was to him and then super kicked him by mistake so you know Looking at it from the Tribal Chiefs side, if you doing good in the match, stuff like that, and then that's, you come to, and that's immediately what you see. You just see them super kick the shit out of their little brother. And it's like, you probably thinking they did this because they're upset that they're not in this match or whatever. And so, yeah, you probably get upset too that, you know, you're trying to take all the titles from, you trying to take all the titles in WWE. And here comes your damn cousins showing up when they're not supposed to show up. Uh, Jimmy and Jay protect each other all costs, which is really cool. Even though I do just one match, like I don't need a whole feud or anything like that. They just, I'm hope like 
I wouldn't mind the tribal chief tell Jay, like, you need to face your brother, right-hand man, yada, yada, yada. We just get one match out of them, too. And then after the match, then they, you know, they they both turn on the tribal chief. I wouldn't mind that. I just know that match would be so fucking fire is Jay versus Jimmy. Um, <laughs> my tribal chief hurt. And then Devin puts up the the ones for your tribal chief. Uh, tribal chief should know better than to dedicate this match to someone else and not win. Sounds like something that the Usos may bring up at this celebration that's supposed to happen tomorrow night because it is supposed to be the um, thousand day celebration um, for Roman Reigns come um, tomorrow. So very like the thing is though, like with this type of with this storyline and what happened. Guess what's guess what's happening? Everyone's gonna motherfucking tune in on SmackDown. So I feel like if you keep the same energy with every like with even like with multiple storylines, people are gonna want to tune in to Raw and tune in to SmackDown, stuff like that. And it's just funny because um I forgot who said it or anything like that, but it just shows like whenever the tribal chief or you know, whenever the bloodline is on TV, people tune in. <laughs> as Devin hit the solo <laughs> for what happened. <laughs> but yeah, that's probably what Roman sat there and said when he saw that the Usos were super, went to super kick solo. Um, but overall, this was a very good pay-per-view. And normally, you know, recently these pay-per-view, excuse me, premium live events in Saudi have been very good from bell to bell from top to bottom but i will say this is my pay-per-view of the weekend nxt battleground is a close second but overall this was a very good pay-per-view um you know it made for oscar winning first of all with the heavyweight championship of seth Rollins versus aj styles as great as a match it is um with this damn surprise with the you know the breakdown of <laughs> the breakdown of um with the bloodline and everything like that even brock lesnar going against cody rhodes i was i had a, even though i had the issue with the kimura i was slightly fine with it and then of course ray ripley respectfully dominating natalia <laughs> it's goes what are you saying what because i picked knight of champions as my number one or are you saying what because of what i said about the bloodline um I call you did bigly you did call that Oscar win. You know, you did call that Oscar win. I didn't believe in it. And then I was then I realized, shoot, I didn't have anybody change titles. And so I was like, I picked Oscar like last second, I think it was. Um, but I thought it would be Bianca, I thought it would be Bianca Belair from that would retain the title. Um oh, you're saying what? Because I said Knight of Champions number one. It is, like I said, only because I'm not too familiar with NXT. With NXT, if I watch NXT from week to week, and I like really knew the storylines from from the get go, like I'm not too familiar with uh, Ly Lyra Valkyrie, Lila Valkyrie, I think it is, and I know of Tiffany Stratton, but I haven't watched enough to really like know her. And then I'm not really that familiar with Gallus or like that either. Of course, in the Wesley and Tyler Bate and stuff like that. Like, if I followed them from week to week, I would say um, Battleground was number one. 
but I'm not too familiar with the storylines. So it was a very fun pay-per-view, but because I know the storylines and everything more with Night of Champions, I'm going to say Night of Champions is number one, which might be a little bit shocking because I do like my double, I do like my AEW as well. But however, sometimes, like, so with, with NXT, we only had six matches. With Night of Champions, we had seven matches. Um, Valkyra. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with her. She has a very cool look, first of all. Um, she has a very cool look. I thought she was more um, like a Viking or like the old, like the Vikings of um, the Viking Raiders. I thought that that was supposed to be like more her, but it, um, but she has a very cool look and she's pretty good in the ring. But like I said, I'm not too familiar with everyone from NXT. So yeah, when I had watched NXT Battleground, I like... I really didn't know too much of the storylines and what's going on. Like, I have no idea why Lash Legend is teaming up with Namdar. And I have no idea who that guy was that was uh, that came late and was, like, now in his corner and stuff like that. And I have no idea why the the um, connection between Nathan Frazier and Dragon Lee. So, yeah, that's that's why I said Night of Champion. The Night of Champions is here, and NXT Battlegrounds like, right there. Like, right underneath. If I, like, watched NXT weekly and knew exactly what was going on, NXT Battleground would have been number one. But, yes. Um, but, yeah, people, you're probably surprised. Because, like I said, and Night, of Cham- Night of Champions has seven matches. And then we come to the 10-match main card, but total 11 matches of Double or Nothing. And, quite frankly... Um, some of these matches really didn't need to be on the card, but before we, um, get into the actual matches, there was a funny little segment during the pre-show where, um, where, um, Arn click, 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 bang, bang Anderson was being interviewed and RJ city asked him when he goes out there, are you going to be packing heat? And Arn chuckled and said, ask your mama. That popped me. And then RJ was like, here is my new stepdad, Arn Anderson. Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Now, I did not check out at all this damn six-man tag pre-show um, that with the stipulation that if Matt Hardy wins, he take ownership of Ethan Page's contract, um, which they did win. So Ethan Page and the Guns had teamed up going against uh, the Hardys and Hook. I heard Jeff Hardy did not look good at all during the match. I missed most of it. So um, I, I have no, I have no opinion on it. I have no opinion at all on it. So yeah, I, I, I kind of missed it all. Um, but I, I heard not so good things about Jeff Hardy during this match. So I, I didn't go back and check it out, which I, I should have, I should have went back and checked it out. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so then we start out with the um, 21-man Blackjack Battle Royale for the AEW International um, Championship. Um, we had Tony Nese, Ari Davari, Commander, Kip Saban, Chuck Taylor, The Blade, The Butcher, Bandino, Lee Moriarty, uh, Trent Beretta, Keith Lee, Ray Phoenix, Juice Robinson, Jay White, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, Dustin Rhodes, El Penta, um, Zero Miedo and Big Bill, along with Orange Cassidy. Um, 
Devin said you did not, you didn't miss anything really, which I figured. I, I just heard bad things about Jeff. And I was like, uh, I was hoping he was on a good streak, but he wasn't looking too good during um that match. Um, so with this battle royale, um, I understand this is the match that let's try to squeeze in as many people as we can for the pay-per-view, that this is pretty much like Andre the Giant Battle Royale that we had here. Truthfully, we didn't need all these people. Um, I don't think anybody was really rooting for um, the Butcher and the Blade to win here or for Lee Mortiarty. I mean, the best friends, the best friends worked because, of course, they were working in with along with Orange Cassidy. But this would have been better if this was like a um, Fatal Five Way or something like that instead of like a bunch of shit that was happening. Um, first of all, we had Jay White in this match, and I am disappointed at Mr. Tony Khan, Mr. Booker of the fucking year, that you have Jay White in this match. And, you know, Jay White at the um, Forbidden Door was booked strongly and is more was more important than the Jay, than AEW, than Jay White is elite version. Um, I'm not understanding what is happening here. Like, I figured he was put into this because of him and Ricky Starks. Um, and then, you know, we had Keith Lee in this along with Swerve. I figured they were put together in this because they had beef with each other, which we kind of saw. It was a moment between those two during this match. I just don't get the con uh, inconsistency with some of the things that's happening in AEW. Um, we really didn't need this battle royale. This battle royale got better once it was less people in it. And then we got to like we got down to uh the fatal the final four, which was Penta, Big Bill, Swerve, and Orange Cassidy, which you know I wouldn't have that on my bingo card. Um, probably Penta. Uh, cause first of all, I love the Lucha bros. Um, I wouldn't have had big bill as final four. I don't know where we got that from. I didn't mind swerve, uh, because we got down to just swerve and orange Cassidy and that those two give me that matchup. Give me that damn few. Cause that looked like that would have been money, but I was just very confused as to why we put all these people in this match and then kind of like, I don't know. I'm just like kind of disappointed the way that Jay White is booked here. Um, that he's kind of booked more as like the side piece for Juice Robinson instead of like we this is the former fucking leader of this is the most recent leader of the Bullet Club. And you know, you're supposed to be New Japan and you know, everybody knows our people type of situation. And I'm just not understanding why we are getting some of this stuff with Jay White. I'm not understanding that. But this, I feel like this could have been a lot more with this match. I wouldn't have mind if, like I said, a fatal five way between Orange Cassidy, Swerve, um, probably throw Ricky Starks and Jay White in there. Um, maybe one of the Lucha Bros so we can get a bit of high flying in there as well. So I don't know why we couldn't do that or even a six man match or something, but I, the battle royale, it was just a lot. It was just a lot, and we really didn't need it all. Like, we could have had, instead of, like, a, a over 22 minutes of this battle royale for us to get down to the uh, good portion of the match, we could have had a solid 15-minute match between, you know, a, a triple threat 
or a fatal four-way match between, you know, and have really solid wrestling, especially for this to be the opener, you know? So a bit of a hit and miss um, with that one. But in the end, Orange Cassidy won, which I'm not really too surprised with. They really booked Orange Cassidy as the workhorse, um, workhorse champion with Dynamite. He has been consistently opening up dynamite with um matches and stuff like that and he's so good in the ring first of all and he's a uh, very likable to the crowd the crowd loves him and i find him hilarious as well um so but yeah the, the battle royale wasn't the greatest thing to open up the um the pay-per-view with and then we get to the most disappointing match of the night and that was chris jericho and adam cole and this was supposed to be a non-sanctioned match with Sabu as the special guest enforcer. We had Sabu come out with a chair along with um, Roger Strong and Adam Cole. Um, Sabu letting us know that he's just he's just into doing crazy shit uh, because he got on the top rope, and I think it was um, I think it was Angelo Parker who was on the table, and Sabu gets onto the top top uh, turnbuckle and he just falls over he doesn't jump or anything he just falls over like a big tree timber here he comes and um yeah he did the spot where he did a it's not even a splash because he just kind of just it was a it was a, a plop he did a plop onto the table and then pretty much was throwing chairs first of all like vintage vintage taboo just throwing chairs at people's head like we were back in the ecw arena uh he got um he got chris jericho with uh the chair throw and i forgot who else he threw the chair at. i think he threw the chair at both um at uh actually it was all of them out there um i think he threw the chair at maybe daniel garcia or jake hater um one of them he threw the chair at but this match was so disappointing because adam cole talked so much shit about he was going to do to chris jericho i'm gonna beat you and this that and a third and i'm gonna fuck you up and everything and it's like well he did all this shit to the love of your life and everything like that and we get to this match like we don't like i understand we don't need blood or anything like that this doesn't need to turn into a john moxley but this was, there was like no intensity with this match. For these two that have such a heated rivalry but leading up to this, this wasn't um this wasn't an intense match. Now it did seem like Chris Jericho had gotten a, a head injury sometime during this match. So I think it really changed the course of this finish. But overall, like it really felt like the average match you would find on, on Raw, like at like at nine, like a nine thirty match that you would find on Raw, there was no intensity to it. It felt like these two just want to get through the motions and want to get to like the next spot or the next sequence stuff like that. There was more intensity in the match between Roderick Strong and Chris Jericho than it was the match between these two. I mean, we didn't need to really get it to um, Dragon Off versus Dijack type of levels because I'm sure everybody wants to stay pretty and everything like that. But there's just no intensity with it. Like, it's, it picked up a little bit once we got the chain involved. And, um, you know, towards the end of Adam Cole just sitting there, he punched Jericho a little bit with the chain. But it was just, like, a little bit of intensity that we saw there. But by that time, it was just, like, too late to really, like, 
um, save the match. But this match went on for 17 minutes and for the whole and for like maybe 16 minutes, we didn't get that much intensity. Like I didn't feel anything with this match. Like uh, we had Britt Baker who came out and then we had um, then we had um, Soraya Soraya come out to take out uh, Britt Baker as well. But it was just like no intensity for this match. It felt like everybody was walking on eggshells, which really um, down, which really like kind of downgraded this match as a whole. Like, no, like I said, we don't need blood or anything like that. But it was just like no intensity between these two. And it was really a shame because this could have been a pretty good match um, between these two. But in the end, um, the end we had uh of course one of the finishes that i really hate when they have a great match but the finish wasn't wasn't good this time we really didn't have a great match and we didn't have a great finish either because in the end we had adam cole who had um even though he had the chain wrapped around his fist he was mainly punching jericho with the fist that with the forearm and everything like that and then then aubrey had stopped the match and i'm like this isn't fucking mma why are we stopping the match or anything like that. It would have been fine if um you know if Adam Cole pulled out a new submission move or you know or what we saw with um Moxley and Punk I think it was where we had the choke out with the um chain. We could have did something like that and then had the the match stop that way before you know the punch and the punching and the forearming and then the ref stops that way. Um, for it to be an unsanctioned match, that part kind of didn't really um didn't really make sense to me. So then after that, we had an interesting match of um the tag team match between FTR and Team TNA. Um, Devin says, I can't believe I'm about to say this for an Adam Cole, but that match was trash. It was. It real like I've seen more intense matches on i seen more intense matches in the pg era of wwe than what we saw last night it wasn't good it wasn't good at all and it really is a shame because it is adam cole and normally with adam cole matches you get a pretty good match um but with this match it was just like no intensity and it, the intensity really needed to come from him because he's the one who has gotten done wrong. Like you had the love of your life be beaten with Kendo stick right in front of you and things like that. So it's really a shame. Um, no, so next up we had, like I said, FTR uh, going against Team TNA. <laughs> uh, Devin says, yes, more intense on NXT 2.0. Really, like seriously, it's just really a shame that, and it's like these two are veterans. It's not like this is like it's not like this was a, a Jay Cargill going against a jobber type of match and it became unsanctioned. Like uh, Jay Cargill versus Red Velvet, like that match, that feud had more intensity between those two than what we got with the with um, Cole and Jericho. Now, this tag team match started off very fucking slow. And it was an issue that I had with this match is this match went for 20 minutes and it felt you felt the 20 minutes like. This match could have definitely been cut into 10. Um, they were wrestling. You know how with the Iron Man matches that goes on for 60 minutes or even 30 minutes, like it's very, very slow at first and then it starts to pick up. Um, that's exactly what happened with this match. But it was just, it was so slow 
that it like you weren't really interested in it now it got very good at the end towards the end where they had a little bit more fast sequences and stuff but i wish that like you know we see with a lot of good matches we have you know fast sequence and it slows down and then like picks up just like a roller coaster and stuff like that but with this one it was just like we were just like you're just waiting for the match to pick up which is really a shame because you know ftr is a really really good tag team and then, you know, Team TNA, like, we shouldn't have to wait. Like, I felt, I think we waited, like, a good maybe 13 minutes before things really started to pick up. Um, we had the spot where Mark Briscoe took the guitar shot, um, and he was asleep. Like, he wore the, the referee shirt very well because normally a referee gets, like, tapped on the shoulder by mistake and they're down for the count for the count and even though mark briscoe has wrestled in fucking crazy ass matches and had a lot of shit uh thrown at him and he got hit with things more um more crazier than a fucking guitar the guitar got him to sleep for a hot minute um then we had the spot where audrey come down and then karen jarrett had hit her with the guitar and then slipped and fell right after that um that made me pop that aubrey had took the um guitar spot as well um but yeah this match it took such a while for it to pick up and um what but once it like picked up it was like the match started to get very good after a while um in the end ftr did retain the title it seems i i selfishly wanted team tna to win just for the chaos um but you know we had ftr who retained and we had mark briscoe who definitely um you know definitely decided with ftr in the end and um it was a pretty good moment between them as well um but yeah this match it started off very well but then it picked up and it got a lot better um but yeah which is really a shame because like I said, this they were pretty good tag, uh pretty good tag teams. And we've seen better matches with these two tag teams as well. Um, so after that, we had the TNA uh championship with a ladder match. Um, this match, first of all, with Arn click click bang bang coming down ringside. Um, we had Luchasaurus as well. Um this match was fine. This match was this match was fine. Um, this lasted for about seventeen minutes. It was some crazy spots that happened with this match. First of all, um, there was the spot where Christian was climbing up the ladder, and Wardlow climbed on the top rope to jump onto the ladder, like we've seen happen with different people before. I think we saw it mainly with Ricochet. In WWE, I forgot it was someone else who did a spot like that too. However, fucking Wardlow doesn't realize, um, sir, you are not Ricochet's size. You are you have a lot more muscle mass than that. So when he jumped onto the ladder, he like made a big impact to where I thought he fucking broke his ankle or something like that. The way that he hit that ladder, and of course the ladder bent from it which he was about to climb again. Um, luckily, he decided to throw that, to throw the um, 
ladder to get rid of the ladder and use a different one. Um, but first of all, shout out to Christian Cage for rocking the turtleneck again. Like I said, he is outworking everyone on these turtlenecks. I give him such props because we're now entering June, okay? It is going to be 90 degrees here tomorrow in Philly, and it's been 80s and high 70s all week, and Christian is still rocking the turtleneck. Like, do you know how much dedication you have to have to the turtleneck to rock it past March? Like, normally turtlenecks are made for winter, um, but he's rocking this bad boy through spring and into fucking summer. So I salute that man because that takes a lot of dedication. We had talks about turtlenecks here um, in the recent and past episodes of the Russell Bread podcast. So y'all know how I feel about turtlenecks. But man, this man is just really out. Like he said, he's going to outwork everyone. And we didn't know. We thought he meant outworking as far as wrestling, but he is out here outworking everyone as far as wearing that turtleneck. But the most craziest thing that happened during this match, uh, no, Arn Click Click Bang Bang Anderson did not pull out a gun, but he uh, went to attack Luchasaurus and bit off his thumb. And when I say bit off, I mean, apparently he bit off a piece of his thumb to the point that it was blood and it was blood all over Arn's mouth, which I hope so. I didn't check. I didn't check wrestling Twitter, but I'm hoping someone took the image of Arn just sitting there with blood in his mouth, looking like fucking extra from the walking dead. And I'm sure people mean the hell out of that one. But yeah, that was a crazy spot. Um, I'm sure John Moxley was somewhere very upset that someone else is bleeding and it's not him. He probably was sitting there like, I wonder how, I wonder why I didn't think of that before of someone biting my thumb and then I swipe my thumb, blood all over, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, this match was actually kind of good. Um, very, like I said, very surprising with that thumb, that thumb spot. But in the end, we had Wardlow who retained the title. Um, it looks like we could possibly be continuing this feud with between Wardlow and um, Luchasaurus here because we thought it was going to be Wardlow versus Luchasaurus, but instead we got the um, but instead we got um, Christian as well, which I'm not too um, mad about either. Um, so next up we had. Um, the for the AEW Women's Championship, we had Jade. I mean, not Jade. We had Tony Storm going against Jamie Hader. Um, this match was very short, so I don't know if this is because Jamie Hader is actually injured, so they decided to keep this very short and sweet. Um, this was a very weird match. It felt like the sequences were out of order or something like that. Um, there was a very weird spot where um, there was the exposed turnbuckle. I forgot the exact sequence, but there was a, an exposed turnbuckle and um, it felt like, I think uh, Jamie Hayter hit the exposed turnbuckle um, right in front of the ref, but it was like nothing really done about it. I was very confused about that part. Um, but this match only lasted for like three minutes. And then we had um, Tony Storm who became AEW champion again. And there were some people who um, felt some type of way of 
Tony winning the title again. But I think this will give, if Jamie Hayter is really injured, let her heal up. You could bring, definitely start doing the vignettes, bring her back for um, all in, you know, and have a rematch between these two women, which I'm sure will be definitely crowd favorites as well. Um, but first of all, shout out to Tony Storm who sat there and called out the fact that she was an interim champion and was like, you know, that interim champion was a bunch of bullshit. Right, Tony Khan? And of course, Tony Khan really didn't, didn't know how to respond to that. <laughs> so um, not too much to say really about this match. This match pretty much was a, I think it was pretty much someone was injured and they had to take the title off of her. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens from here on out with Tony Storm as champion. Um, so afterwards, we had the open the open house rules six-man tag team match for the AEW World Trios Championship. We had House of Black come out, which I love their entrance, first of all. And they had fire, they had great looking masks as well. And they had the open challenge of who they would go against. And out comes the acclaimed. And everyone loves the acclaimed. So we had, first of all, two verses out of Max Caster, who sat there and mentioned how Buddy is cocked by a kid named Dominic. And you can click like who was it? Was it um I think it was Brody, Brody King, who looked over at Buddy who looked over at um buddy matthews and was like you cool dog like are you okay because man that that can make someone walk away and like go cry in the corner like cue the little gif of the guy of the um ups guy from the from friday running to the car with his arms waving and chris tucker's like he gonna cry in the car that was Buddy Matthews. He was definitely going to cry in the back. And probably... He's going to cry in the car. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what Buddy Matthews did. You know he definitely cried in the car. Probably went up to Max Caster afterwards like, why you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you bring up his name? I had a good day. No one brought up his name today. And you sat there and brought him up. And then, of course, that's when Rhea was like, hey, looks like we're over in both companies. And Buddy Matthews was like, yes, you are. Yes, you are over in both companies. Please love me. I love you. Please love me. Please be my mommy and not his. Why did you choose him over me? You know, that started a whole other argument that night. Dirt sheets need to pick this up because I know that started an argument. Well, why do you think he said something like that? Why do you think he felt as though he should have said coked by a kid named Dominic? It's because you're going too far with this. You're going too far with this storyline. You really sure that Papa H said it was okay for him to do this with y'all? <laughs> like, I know that started a whole ass argument. I would just love to be a fly in the wall of the argument between those two you know dark side of the ring needs to come out with the <laughs> needs to come out with the story behind Rhea Dominic and Buddy Matthews that would be a great episode to check out but yeah so we had Max Caster who of course came out with some fire 
uh, talking mad shit about the House of Black, how they're called the House of Black. They had no black guys. I was like, oh my goodness. And um, what was the other thing? He said something about Brody. Oh, how Brody King looked like he came. He was a. Uh, he came from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race and everything like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, sir. And then we had a whole second verse out of these two. Um, but yeah, I think he, I think the stipulation was they didn't need a stipulation for this match. But oh my gosh, the crowd was just so in love with the acclaim. Billy Gunn, Billy Gunn's having the time of his life, yo. Like the time of his life. He is so fucking over. Like definitely reliving how popular it was during the degeneration x uh phase he has his own shirt his own saying everybody waits for him to you know throw up the scissors and you know the scissor me daddy ass and everything he's just living a fantastic life i mean Shawn michaels is just stressing down at nxt he got them kids talking back to him he's like a fucking 11th grader substitute teacher down there okay then you got um road dog who pretty much was begging for a job uh in AEW, and then he eventually once triple h got uh the reins back as far as creatively and stuff like that he ran and got a job there but he's not on tv he's not being put over anything like that except for when he made the announcement for um the draft and then there's Triple H, who is just looking over his shoulder because Vince McMahon has been calling him every single week. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Where's Austin Theory? Don't do this. Put this person in this match. I think the latest rumor was that Austin Theory is supposed to be put in a match. Oh, no. LA Knight was supposed to be put in a match. And probably Vince called him up. was like, you better not put that fucking rock Dwayne Johnson wannabe in a match. You better leave him sitting in the crowd. Okay. All right. That's because that's good shit. So, you know, Triple H is just stressing the fuck out. And then, of course, he has to figure out how to put over his put over people in front of the casual crowd. He's just frustrated as all hell. And then here comes Billy Gunn just frolicking in the popularity in AEW, just wrestling, having a great old time and everything. His kids are wrestling and everything. He has his adopted kids, the acclaim, and, you know, they're just so over, like, the, eventually Tony Khan will be crazy enough to throw them the uh, trios titles at one point. And that's what, um, um, that's what, um, one of them has said, that they want to work to give, um, Billy Gunn another title, so. But this match between these two trios was pretty good. Um, you know, House of Black is amazing, first of all. And, of course, the acclaimed is amazing as well. So this was a very good match between these two tech, these two trios. This match went for about 15 minutes, but still, it was very good. Um, shout out to Get Your, Get Joe, as he says, what's good? What's going on? Thank you so much for tuning in and coming in over as we talk about all the craziness that happened this past weekend. But with this trios match, it was actually pretty good. Things were starting to pick up with the matches um, pretty much from the end of the uh, the AEW tag team titles. And it was picking up a little bit more with this trios match. In the end, of course, House of Black still retains. I have no issues with that because the House of Black is awesome. Um, and I love the whole um, AEW house rules. The lighting was a bit weird, but um, I didn't mind. I don't mind when they black out 
the arena so whereas though the concentration is in the ring it really gives me that um black and gold nxt vibes just put some lights around the ring so if somebody gets out of the ring you know you know we can see what's going on type of situation um but yeah uh that was a good match um and then we get to for the tbs championship we had taya valkyrie going against jay cargill this was pretty much the battle of how many women can you fit into your entrance talia with the uh, las vegas ladies um and i love her entrance theme as well and then we had jay cargill respectfully looking very good in the pink and green as she represents her sorority sisters i forgot the name of the singer who was singing um she sings the song all all the pretty girls walk like this she came out and performed and jay cargill dancing and i was like respectfully watching 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 that side watching that part of her entrance and apparently she she danced with her sorority sisters as well and i was like that was a very cool touch but yeah i was all for it this match was this match was was actually good in my opinion is jay cargill put out here putting out five star matches no has she improved since she started? Yes. They even mentioned during this match that she is being, that she is tr was trained um, by Brian Danielson. Now, I don't know if he's still training her or anything like that. Um, but yeah, uh, Big Boss. That Yeah, okay. So that's who sung the match. Yeah, I mean, so that's who sung the, that's who, that's who song it is. All the pretty girls walk like this. I, I, I of course, know it from fucking TikTok. Um, actually, I don't think I heard it on the radio. I think I always heard it on TikTok. Um, so yeah. But this, like, is she putting out five star matches? No, but she has got she's pretty good. Like I said, she is so marketable. She is great. She's amazing. They have a gem with Jay Cargill. Like I said, anytime they put her out there with you know the NBA games and stuff like that, anywhere she goes, non-wrestling fans will look at her and say, Who the, who's that? And they're interested. Of course, she is Mrs. Still Your Girlfriend, Still Your Wife. Because according, I I think she mentioned it. And I think um, other people mentioned it. Like their wives and their girlfriends who don't even watch wrestling will see Jake Cargill. And they'd be like, who's that? So, yes, she is Mrs. Still Your Wife, Still Your Girlfriend. I did tell the hubs the day that Jay Cargill says that um, I can be her test dummy. <laughs> He's done. <laughs> um. As Gitcha said, shout out to Jade. She lost her title, but she did not lose my heart. She didn't lose anybody's heart. You know, she she knows. She she was a very good sport. She tweeted out that she went for double and got nothing. When I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I feel as though it's she won this match, first of all. Um, which I I really didn't expect because I thought Taya would win this match and would um in the streak for Jay Cargill, but Jay Cargill won this match. It went six. She's 60 and Oh, which is a very good feat. I mean, there's people like, of course she's like I said, she's not, is she putting on five-star matches? No, but she is such a great gem. She needs the time off and everything like that. Now I will, now I was doing the watch along, so I didn't hear what was going on um, because we were all reacting to the fact that Jay Cargill won. And so I see that Chris Statlander comes back. Chris Statlander looks great. She comes in and then I see a ref and then the match starts. So apparently 
what I didn't pay attention to was that Mark Sterling had put out an open challenge for Jay Cargill, very similar to what they did before. I think they did the rampage before where Jay Cargill beat someone and then they was like, um, that was like easy. So they had her um, do another one. Like they threw out an open challenge and someone answered there. And then I think they tried to do a third one. And then um, that's when Taya Valkyrie came out and then they had a bit of a scuffle. So they kind of did it the same thing in this one, but it was Chris Statlander who come out and um, sat there and um, came out and they, they had a match, which I was very surprised about. I thought that this would turn into a feud that will last until all in. But however, swerve, we had a match right away. And Chris Statler beat Jay Cargill in 48 seconds. Um, very, it really felt WCW like with the whole streaking and losing it very quickly. Um, but yeah, Jay Cargill loses the match and Chris Statlander is now your TBS championship. Now, look, I love Jay Cargill. Like Getcho said, she may have lost the title, but she did not lose my heart as well. And I feel as though it is time for her to kind of take a break. Hell, if, if she can have more, you know, one-on-one time with Brian Danielson or anyone else, to kind of help her along, you know, come up with different moves in wrestling, stuff like that. That's all fine and good. Um, people kind of forget, like she literally just came, not, she didn't go to the Indies or anything like that. Very similar to Bianca Belair. I mean, Bianca Belair was training and doing things in NXT before she really appeared on TV. So for Jay Cargill to kind of like, you know, come in here and I think she's been in the company for like, I think it's been two years at this point and maybe a little bit longer, but she only been with been wrestling for two years. And, you know, now she has time off, you know, whether she can improve her wrestling and stuff like that, come out with different moves and stuff, but it could be very possible. I'm not upset that she lost the title. Um, there was a lot of people were upset that she lost the title, but she can now go on to collision. Um, or if they do decide to bring her over to dynamite, um, I think she'll be great for a collision as well. If they put a couple more women over there to get her to do, get into different feuds and stuff like that. Um, because for whatever reason on dynamite, they can't handle too many women's matches on dynamite. Tony Khan can't book that many women's matches on dynamite. So I'm hoping that they put her on collision because even though she is so great, I really dislike the fact that she was on rampage because it was very hard to watch rampage, especially when they start switching up times because of sports and stuff like that. But I'm hoping that they throw her on to collision, you know, get her going there, put her in a couple of really good feuds. Um, because truthfully, even though, yes, she was 60 and oh, she really didn't have that many major feuds. I mean, she had the feud with Red Velvet and stuff like that. That was kind of OK, but really wasn't that intense. And then like the best feud that she had was against Nyla Rose. But that kind of it, it wasn't as good. So I'm hoping that we put her on collision, put her in against some really good feuds between people. Now that she lost, she can kind of like, she can still be dominant, but we don't have to, but there's not the pressure of having her do a streak again. Like she could do the rubber matches, lose one, win one, and then we get the rubber match in the end. Uh, obviously it shows that, you know, she is so loved, okay, that she can come out with a loss and still be good. Kind of like Seth Rollins. Um, as far as, and I don't mean like 
wrestling ability. I mean, as far as who can lose and is still marketable to the crowd. And I think that's what Jay Cargill can be, that she is marketable to the crowd, that she can lose and still is put over with the crowd. Um, But I'm ready for her to actually have actual feuds that go from week to week instead of constantly going through jobbers. Because I feel as though that really didn't help her as much. I feel as though if she gets into these feuds and stuff like that, get into, you know, deal with different wrestling personalities and stuff like that, I think that could really help her. I think her doing these job jobber matches really didn't help her as far as wrestling ability. Um, but Jay Cargill is still in my heart. So then, um, like I said, we had Chris Statlander going against Jay Cargill, and surprisingly, Chris Statlander is now TBS champion. Um, gonna be a shame because now Chris Statlander is now gonna be on to um Rampage unless they make a swerve and put that title, have that title bounced on collision as well, which I think will be a very good idea, is to have that title also appear on collision as well. Um so that someone isn't stuck on rampage all the damn time. And as we've seen with the ratings, not a lot of people really tune in to rampage like that because they tend to um, bounce the um, time slots around very often. So next up, we had the match that people thought was going to be main event that they definitely marked it, marketed as a main event, but it was not a main event. And that was the four pillars match between Sammy Guevara, MJF, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, and Darby Allen. Um, I had, um, so what I had to say about this match is this really goes to show as far as the, um, as far as the confidence that we had as far as them being a main event, because they definitely was booked as if they were a main event, but it was actually the anarchy in the match that was main event. And I could see people's like, oh, you know, what about all the chaos and stuff like that that's going to happen in the ring? You know, we could have easily had, we could easily have Anarchy in the um, arena match kind of like, you know, come up a little earlier if you really wanted these four to be main event. Have the finish happening in the ramp or backstage, clean up the ring while that's happening. You could even had like a vignette or something like that to kind of show off these four guys to kind of do the lead up to this match while you're cleaning up the everything. But according to MJF, he said, why do I want to roll around in John Moxley's blood? So I'm like, okay. But um, this match between these four was a very good match. Um, there, there was a lot of pressure for this match to be good because there has been a lot of attention put on the XWE guys with FTR, John Moxley, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, um, Christian Cage, Adam Cole, Swerve, the Hardys. There's a lot of, I mean, AEW is heavy with the XWE people. And so this match containing pure AEW originals, really there was a lot of pressure for this match to hold up and to be good because if it wasn't, it really puts a damper on a lot of the AEW originals as far as the confidence in them. But this was a very good match between these four. Um, we started off, first of all, um, Jungle Boy kind of came out there, so he really didn't have that much of a special entrance. Sammy Guevara comes out and announces that him and Tay are having a baby. So congratulations to them. Um, 
they also he does a vlog too and he kind of made he kind of followed up with um more about that as well but i'm very happy for them um i'm very happy for them and i hope that you know parenthood is a joy and it is a lot of fucking work as well so i'm very happy for them um, we had Darby Allen, who had, a, in my opinion, a very funny vignette with the Elvis uh, wedding chapel. Uh, someone wearing the paper mask of MJF. Darby comes in on skateboard, of course, starts attacking the uh, person with the paper mask. Told Elvis, do you know how to get rid of a body? And Elvis was like, hell yeah. And so then the vignette ends with... Um, the Elvis driving in a car that says just married with um and with Darby Allen holding on to the back of the car on the skateboard. And of course Darby Allen comes out in the Elvis gear, which I thought was pretty cool. And then we had MJF who had the devil mask on. He was sitting on a um throne sitting up high in the air, comes down and you see the women like grabbing at him and stuff like that. So MJF wins as the amount of women that was in an entrance as we, you know, we had, we started off with two women with Tay Valkyrie, Taya Valkyrie. And then we had like, I think six with Jay Cargill. And I think MJF had like eight or 10 of them or something like that. So yeah. But overall, this match was really good between these four. A lot of great sequences. In the end, we had MJF who won the match, which I wasn't too surprised um, about, I didn't think that we would have a title change with MJF because with the AEW World Championship, people tend to hold it for at least six months. So I think if we have MJF lose the title, I think it'll more likely happen at All In or All Out, depending on how they handle, um, depending on how they handle these pay-per-views with these two, because they're only a week apart, so... Only but so many people are going to appear on uh, All In. Only but so many people are going to appear at All Out. So I think that's when MGF is going to lose the title, whether it be to somehow CM Punk or someone else as well. Um, but overall, this was a very good match between the AW Originals. And I'm very happy for them. And I'm very proud of them to show us, like, yes, definitely need to um, pay attention to these four because they are the future of AEW. Um, shout out to Brian Cook saying, hello, Queen Usi. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in um, as well. But yeah, like I said, this was a very good match between these four. Um, and a lot of people were cheering for Sammy Guevara. Looks like he's officially faced, even though we really didn't uh, handle if he is still part of JAS or not. It seems like he's done separate himself from it since he was going after the title. Um, of course, Darby Allen is Darby Allen. He's fucking crazy. And it's very interesting that MJF had, um, he did the headlock takedown on Darby Allen and pinned him. So it seems like we could be continuing the feud between Darby Allen and MJF as well. Who knows? We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm very interested to see where we're going to go from here as far as MJF, who will his next feud will be against and eventually who he will drop the title to um, as well. And then uh, finally, we had the Anarchy in the Arena match, which, of course, we knew was going to be very crazy. First of all, uh, I'm not familiar with the band who sung the song. I think they're called Violent Idols or something like that. The dude who was wearing the mask uh, and the face paint, first of all, I didn't didn't see it was a mask. So I was kind of like freaking out because it looked like it was blackface. 
And then I saw it was the mask, but I, I was very confused of why he chose to wear, I could see if it was just the black mask, but why the black mask with the face paint? And I was very confused as to why that happened, especially with today's time that people would have seen it and like side-eyed it, especially Tony Khan, who obviously had to have seen him uh, from the get-go. Um, so first of all, the music playing, just like we had the last time in the Anarchy and Arena with the music playing over and over again, just a bunch of chaos. I mean, this match was very chaotic, which I knew it would be. I mean, we had the exploding shoe. We had the fucking spot with um, one of the young bucks barefoot, foot first into a bunch of thumbtacks. And um, we had, um, of course, John Moxley bleeding, of course. Then we had the spot of Brian Danielson sliding down a railing and everything. Like this match was simply chaotic. Like a lot of craziness that happened. Interesting thing, this match went as long as the uh, Four Pillars match. Both matches went for a good 27 minutes. But yeah, the music kept playing for like a good, I would say maybe 10 minutes of this before the Young Bucks super kicked the singer, which if that was actually him, if that was actually the singer, shout out to him for taking that bump. Um, but still change up that, change, you need to switch up that look. Like don't do the face paint and the mask. Um, cause I, cause it was people who were talking about, I think they're called the violent idols or something like that. They do the cover for, um, the song and everything like that. But it's like, come on, it's 2023, you know, people are going to talk about it. Um, going to talk about it. So you gotta stare away from it. But yeah, this match was crazy. Uh, first of all, fucking Kenny Omega with the Captain American gear, I guess, shouting out Seth Rollins. <laughs> But yeah, he was wearing with the Captain American uh, get up. And I thought it was funny because he had the trash can lid at one point and he was kind of using it as a shield as if it was Captain America. And I also do appreciate a bit of the dynamic between Hangman Page and Kenny Omega that they didn't forget that these two fucking faced each other for the title, that there is some unfinished business here. But the sequence um, between these two where um, I think... I think Kenny, ah, man, I forgot the sequence that they did with each other. But I think one of them went and did a um, a standing shooting star press, something like that, or something like that. And then the other jumped over, got on the top rope, and did a, a, a moonsault. I forgot, who it was. I forgot who did what, but that was Chef's Kiss. That was a very good sequence with those two. Um, but, of course, like I said, a lot of craziness in this match. Um, eventually, we had a bit we had a little bit of an interference uh from a masked man who went and attacked the um the elite and it was Konosuke okay along with Don Collis and we had Wheeler Yuta from Philadelphia who actually pinned Kenny Omega so shout out to him but man I love the Blackpool Combat Club with these four guys especially with Wheeler Yuta Wheeler Yuta has been elevated ever since he got with them but damn it brian danielson is such a treasure i would love to just hear him just talk shit on the um i would just he just needs to just fr cut a promo you know and give us all the new words how he calls everyone an amateur and stuff like that and everything but yeah very interesting finish with this 
uh, with Kanosuke turning heel. So it's still, I don't think that Don Collis is directly affiliated with the Blackpool Combat Club. I think it's kind of like a mutual respect thing. Like we both don't like the same people. So, you know, I help you, you help me scratch my back. I scratch your back type of situation. I don't think he is like a William Regal to the Blackpool Combat Club. But of course, you know, he is there with Kanosuke, um, who we thought was going to join forces with uh, Kenny Omega. But of course, they got to him. And Kenny, after the match, mentioned how he um, knows some people outside of AEW. He, he don't have a lot of friends, but he does have a few friends outside AEW that he can talk to. So looks like we're going to have... A little bit of reunion because there is someone out there who is not in, who is not in New Japan who can definitely come over and help out. And he even mentioned it during Dynamite that um, Kenny Omega was not there. They thought he was in Canada. Hangman Page said, no, he is out of the country, but he's not in Canada. And it's like, ooh, those, those little drops, those little drops. But unfortunately for the casuals, I have no idea what is going on they have they like of course all these subtle hints are like going over the head um that's why you know sometimes it's cool that they make references that we know about but you know you gotta you gotta think about the casual as well um but we'll see how everything goes we are coming up in time for um forbidden door but i think this whole feud that brings back the golden lovers and stuff like that it could go for all in like i said they're selling tickets but tony khan needs to put on a very good show or else this is you can sell all the tickets you want if this show is not good that is going to do more damage to your company so he's going to have to pull out all the stops he's going to have to put on the biggest feuds now of course we all wanted kenny omega to go against will osprey i don't know if we're going to still have that as far as all in but i guess for a forbidden door we could definitely reunite the golden lovers and have them team up uh, along with the elite to go against um the blackpool combat club i guess for blood and guts with kanosuke as well i don't know if we're it looks like we're leading up to that for blood and guts at the um at all in um, but I'm hoping that we get a women's version of Blood and Guts too. That's what Soraya had kind of wanted as well. But overall, this was a very good match. Um, and as, as you heard me say, I said Knight of Champions, number one. Um, Battlefield, I mean, Battleground is like right there under Knight of Champions, only because I'm not familiar too much with the storyline. So I was kind of lost on some of the things that was happening as far as interferences and stuff. And then Double or Nothing was number three, mainly because a lot of these matches we really didn't need. Some of these matches could have been cut down in time. I know that we, I know Tony Khan loves to put as many people on these pay-per-views as he can so they can get the money or whatever. But sometimes, like, sometimes less is more. Like, qual quality over quantity. Some of these matches could have been cut down. We really didn't need a 21-man battle royale for the AEW um, International Championship. We could have easily went a fatal four-way or even a five-way and have a better match with that as well. And just the intensity with the Adam Cole and Chris Jericho match um, really made the pay-per-view fall down very low for me. And then things kind of picked up. And, of course, with the last 
Um, of course, with, you know, Jay Cargill, the Chris Statlander winning. And then, of course, the final two matches would really made the pay-per-view a little bit better. But uh, by the time, I mean, at that time, it was just kind of like too late to really um, to really put the pay-per-view over as number one over WWE and NXT. Um, but if they just kept the same energy as they had with the last two matches and everything, this could have easily been number one, but it was just like a lot of, it was just very, very slow as far as building as well. Um, but I'm, I'm completely fine with all the wrestling that we got as we now work to, um, I know we have the American, uh, the American bash, the great American bash coming the end of July for, um, NXT. We're working towards money in the bank for WWE. And now we are working towards, um, AEW Forbidden Door with AEW. So I can't wait to see where we go from here, um, especially with these two um, teams as well. And um, yeah, I just want, I just want good wrestling overall. That's all that I want. Um, but yeah, I'm happy with it all, you know, and everything like that. And yeah, oh, like overall it was a very good uh, wrestling event wrestling pay-per-view event and i can't wait for the next time we um have something like this again even though it was a lot of wrestling um about about i would say about 70 percent of it was pretty good wrestling as well um but that's it for the wrestle pred podcast thank you so much for listening you can catch me on twitter at jdc137 you can also catch the podcast at wrestle bread as well Click the link in the bios to the Instagram, the Facebook, the TikTok as well. Be sure to check out the Bloodline Entertainment Network. Okay, instead of clicking to all these different websites to get your information and constantly going to journalists who you know only gives you a little bit of bias in information, you can t- read articles and everything from people who actually care about what they're watching and things like that. Go to bloodlinenetwork.com. Check out the awesome website. There's articles uploaded every single day about sports, entertainment, sports, entertainment, fantasy football, fantasy baseball as well. There's a lot of great information, a lot of great writers that we have on board as well. And you can also check out the um, Bloodline Entertainment Network YouTube channel as well. Be sure to like and subscribe and acknowledge us, okay? We have a lot of great things um, coming around the corner as far as great podcasts and everything like that. Um, Like I had said before, we have a great Twitch channel as well with Gaming with the Bloodline. Yours truly with Late Night Gaming with JD. I will be live on Mondays and Tuesdays and Mondays at 11.15. So right after all, come and join me. Watch me play a little bit of um, Detroit Become Human. You can also watch me play on Tuesdays. You can play, watch me play Jedi Survivor. And then come on over on Wednesdays and Fridays with Devin as he plays um, as he plays uh, Destiny 2 as well. And if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to tune in every Thursday at 9 p.m. EST as I review that week's um, wrestling news and um, rumors as well. Um, and there's also a lot of great podcasts as well, too. Cage My IQ, Circle Debate, Clark Street Wrestling Podcast, The Out of Here Podcast. If you love um, baseball, 
raw dogging with De Niro as he watches the last 30 minutes of Raw, and he goes over it as well. Roto Slappers, Top Rope Wrestling Talk, the broadcast podcast that's that come to you from the future, the Debate Center, the Tim King Show, the Universal Wrestling Podcast, and our newest show, The Director's Cut, as uh, Graydon talks about the latest in movies and entertainment. This coming Tuesday, he will be talking about Across the Spider-Verse as well, give his opinion on that. No spoilers or anything, too. Um, but yeah, be sure to check out everything. Now, I will not be available next Thursday. I have some important things happening next Thursday. So I won't be, I won't, you won't catch the next episode next Thursday, but still, you know, check out the Bloodline Network. We have something great for you every single day, seven days a week, articles, podcasts, just a lot of great entertainment and a lot of great minds as well. But thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for checking out my review on NXT Battleground, Double or Nothing, and Night of Champions as well. And until next time, guys, peace. You're listening to the Russell Bread Podcast. Yowie, wowie. With one beer.